you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, face. I think I earned the right to go on the internet and see that guy get a chainsaw on the face. Dude, my dad was drunk and my mom was dealing with it. Guess what? I get raised by Cookie Monster. My cock looks like it's been in a hockey fight. Time my stupidity. It's at the speed of goddamn light. I got a bunch of blocks. Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. How are you? I'm good. I checked with you early in the show. I want to know how you're doing because I can't continue, folks. You're not doing well. If you shouted out, I'm not feeling good, then I would be like, well, uh, you guys can get me at. I can't do a show for you if you're not feeling good. I need you feeling good, Billy Ray. Looking good, Lewis. I need all of those things from trading places. I need you to have a Merry New Year if you're going to go that far. I need to tell you that I remember the pavilion and we had big fun there. Babuya, 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 da ha. Babuya, babuya, da buya, ba ha. <laughs> oh, Winthorpe. Like he was wearing my Harvard tie. Like, oh, sure, he went to Harvard. Uh, Trading Place is a movie that gets lost in the shuffle, folks, because a lot of people remember Coming to America, which is brilliant, and it's Eddie Murphy doing 75 different characters uh, at once, actually, which is hell on the makeup department. They remember the clumps and the Nutty Professor nonsense, and they remember all the other things that he's done. Beverly Hills Cop, 1, 2, 7, 45, whatever the fuck he got up to. Uh, they remember all of this business that he took care of, but everybody forgets trading places. I don't know. Not everybody forgets trading places. Some people forget trading places, but I'm here to make sure you never forget. What if that was the only reason I existed? I'm here to make sure you never forget trading places. If you ever think, if you're walking in a grocery store and boom, I appear on your shoulder, I'm like, ha ha, guess what? Uh, these are bacon, bacon and eggs. And this is bacon as you would find in a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. And then you got to do a direct pan over to the frozen food section and I disappear because I've done my job. I've let you know what the fuck I was there to do. I reminded you of trading places because you knew. You knew it was up. Uh, and then I tell you a story about how the fact that I'm a karate man and a karate man brews on the inside. But you wouldn't know that because you're a big Barry White looking motherfucker. So I got it on my face, all right? <laughs> God damn it. You know what? Turn this show off. Let, go watch Trading Places. This week, we'll call it a rainout. I won't blame you if you put me on a shelf and you go watch Trading Places because it's goddamn phenomenal. You know, maybe we should start doing that. Maybe that'll be a fun thing to do on YouTube. Maybe we stream movies and watch them together like uh, Mike Schmidt's Movie Club, right? And we're all pals and we run Trading Places. And then uh, what, I talk and you guys type in the chat room? That seems aggressively bad, right? Doesn't that seem awful? Shouldn't you have a better voice than that? What if there's a way we could Skype ourselves in, man? Oh, let's do that. Let's have a, a, a crazy Skyping drum circle as we watch movies together. Uh, or not. Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you just prefer having me talk to you in your ears right now as you plug me into your iPod vagina and I go, 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 fight, 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 like Newt Rock me from a, a radio station record that I used to hear about all the time when I was a kid. They used to advertise that. It's so funny. This actually happens on my old-time radio uh, network. I listen to uh, satellite uh, old radio classics, whatever the fuck it is, on satellite radio. Channel 148 on your Sirius XM dial, also on your app. Here's my favorite thing they do. They go, hey, look, uh, the, the guy Greg Bell who hosts it, who's just, he's a cottage industry man. He's on 24 hours a day there. I don't know how he's recording this stuff. They actually replaced him about a year and a half ago, two years ago. I might have even talked about it on the show. And people revolted. Like, people were angry. They're like, why is Greg Bell losing this job? He's the only voice that pacifies us old people. <sighs> fuck, yawns. God damn it. Nobody likes him. Uh, but, but that's who Greg Bell is. He's the old time media dude. And he fucking, he introduces every show. He tells you whether it's the Whistler or the shadow. He tells you whether it's the mysterious traveler or dimension X. He's right there for you with nuggets of information. And I appreciate that. Uh, but the funny thing is he has to pitch and sell stuff too, because they have a sponsor for that, that, uh, that network. 
You know, they don't just look. They're not just playing old people shows out of the kindness of their heart. They have to try to make a dollar and a dime off the goddamn business. So he'll give you a speech, and he's like, uh, he's like, hey, did you like that episode of This Is Your FBI? Well, now you can buy a ten CD set of This Is Your FBI from our website. And they're like, it was normally thirty eight dollars, but if you order now, it's only twenty one ninety nine and with free shipping. And I just I picture old people being bamboozled like like this this is the worst part i picture old people assuming that they're on the cutting edge of technology by buying the cds to get them in their house not knowing that as i talk to you now i know i literally am talking on a macbook that has no cd drive anymore they're they're opting them out they're getting rid of them they get you can't use cds but all these people drive cars that i guess still have them but i guess a lot of cars are also getting rid of them but but old people they listen to that radio station they're like ah you know i really love gun smoke here on the radio but what if I could own 10 CDs of Gunsmoke at half price? Holy fuck. Let me, Martha, get the checkbook. That's exactly what they say. Martha, get the checkbook. Uh, I don't know why Batman and Superman's da- uh, mom is running the show. Could be the dad, could be the mom. Who knows? I almost said dad. Uh, but sure enough, they're like, get the checkbook. I got to buy 10 CDs of Nero Wolf <laughs> Detective with Sydney Greenstreet. Oh, isn't that the best? And can you just imagine those people waiting, waiting by the door every goddamn day for the mailman to bring them 10 CDs and then they open it up and you've got, you know what you got there? You got a box full of skeet shooting targets. That's what you've got. If you buy 10 CDs, Jesus Christ, you're not in the Columbia record club anymore. Quit buying these old shows. And I hate, you know, I just want to tell these old people, I want to reach out to them myself with a hand. Uh, or a mouth, or a fucking, you know, I want to just shout into the tin ear horn that they place against the side of their skull so they can hear me better, because they can't afford a fucking uh, hearing aid because they went ahead and bought goddamn 10 CDs of Nero Wolf. Uh, I just want to tell them, look, if you go to YouTube and you, you put in the name Nero Wolf, you'll, you'll get all of these shows. You can listen to them for free on YouTube. But then the problem is you got to have the conversation with them where they go, what's YouTube? And you're like, oh, good Christ. Really? I got to tell you this. I got to explain this, uh, this nonsense to you because you could Google the things they could Google near a wolf. They could Google whatever the fuck. And I mean, it's on, it's not even just on YouTube. It's on a million podcasts. There's fucking old time radio podcasts. There's this one I listen to. It's a, you know, it's a dragnet podcast. I think I've talked about it on here. I fucking dude, the guy who hosts it, his name, I'm going to try to do his voice. I'm Adam Graham. Uh, we're here for Dragnet. This is the big tooth. It's like, it's just, he's, and he's not old. It's not like an old guy. He sounds like Harry Knowles looks. Do you know who Harry Knowles is? Harry Knowles is the guy from fucking, uh, ain't it cool news. Harry Knowles is a monster. If you ever go to ain't it cool news, Harry Knowles was the guy who ran the site and he was, he was a big deal for a while back in the early days of the internet before everything else evolved guys like drudge and, and Harry Knowles. Those were uh, kind of household names among people who use the internet. Uh, but now, you know, drudge is obsolete. Harry Knowles still has Ain't It Cool News. However, Harry Knowles has stepped away from Ain't It Cool News. You want to know why? Because he got a handsy with like 75 women and they all fucking came forward and described it. And the worst part of it is, if you saw Harry Knowles and you thought about him getting handsy with a chick, you'd be like, holy fuck, you monstrous goofball. I can't even... He's just... He's as if a dumpster came to life and had red hair. Like, as if a dumpster wasn't bad enough. He's just... He's a fat, sweaty monster. And he has... You know what he did? He, he, he has red hair on top. And then he went around with the fucking chin strap. He, he goes red chin strap. And he, he's got a face like a, like one of the, the fucking creatures in the rescuers. I mean, he's just a gross dude. And he's also big and fat and sloppy and sweaty and handsy. And uh, 
And he would always type stories about him hanging out with his grandpa and his, his dad. That's who he lived with. I don't fucking know. It's, again, it's a million years ago, folks, when the internet meant something to people before it gave me a career. When I used to just surf it, when I still had to go to sign in on AOL and find out what was what. Uh, but this fucking dude, he's he was so I, – I, look, I didn't like him then. I, I'll be honest with you because he was always – he was one of the main guys. You know who he was? He was like a fat Hardwick. He was like one of the dudes who fucking uh, told everybody, hey, yo, here's the thing. We've got uh, nerd culture, and it's all awesome. And, yeah, we might have been roughed up as youngsters by the jocks, but now we're taking over, baby. And he started his own website and started reviewing movies, and then he started to get kind of influential because people started to look to the Internet for, for information and news and reviews. So then he started to get accepted into mainstream kind of pop culture, and then they started to send him, you know, red carpet shit. And here's the deal. With those guys, this is the deal. They're, they're fucking – when you're a nerd, all right, and you're, you're a fucking nobody. You're a fat nobody who's never getting any pussy, and you're just like, ah, oh, man, I'm going to write about movies. We and no, I don't care what happens. And then you go to any cool news, and you tap, tap, tap out some reviews, and then you start to get some influence. And then uh, these guys are like, hey, you should come down to a red carpet thing. Well, all of a sudden, you think you're you're no longer fat nerd Johnson. Like, you just think you're like, oh, you know what? I must be fucking worth something. And then, look, I'm not saying you shouldn't feel like you're worth something. I don't want you to fucking hate yourself. But at the same time, recognize you got to stay in your lane. And for the, with that guy, you got to stay in both lanes. That's a, that guy's a house, for fuck's sake. He's driving a jazzy everywhere. He's just a big, fat, chin-strap, jazzy-driving motherfucker. But yet, but yet, sure enough. It comes out that he's he's handsy with with dames, like he's grabbing their legs and shit. Like that's the thing. He's not even like because he has no game. He's a he's a fat nobody. He's writing about goddamn movies on the internet until he became a fat somebody. I get it. Yes, please don't yell at me. But then it turns out like he's like I said, he's like pinning women against the wall and like tongue kissing them against their their will and and running his hands up and down their hips. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. He's not even he's not even a good sexual assaulter. Like he just pins them again. And not that there are good sexual assaulters. Don't write me. Jesus Christ. This show used to be a lot easier when I have to fucking backtrack over every dumb thing I fucking said. I don't think anybody who sexual assaults is good. We talked about it last week. Uh, but I'm, but I'm, what I'm saying is Harry Knowles, when they talked about it, he was even clumsy in those efforts. Uh, and not, not that you'd be, if you were good at it, that would be any better. But the point is he would just be, you know, he just like uh, awkwardly finger blasted some chick in a hallway. I mean, just nonsense. And you're reading it and you're just like, man, this guy just drum him out of the fucking core, right? This guy shouldn't even be allowed to see movies ever again, let alone review them or type about him on the goddamn internet. So I, that was the last thing I heard about him. He got swept up in the me too. And this is a fucking year ago, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I don't know. You know, this never happened. <laughs> actually, no, I apologize. It happened 30 years ago. Uh, actually, it was 20 years ago today that this happened. No, I don't know what the fuck happened, but he, it was a while ago. And so I don't know, he might even be back. Because, you know, that's how the fucking thing works is somebody gets pinched for a year and they sit it out on the sidelines and then coach is like, all right, go grab your sexual assault helmet and head back into your fucking chosen gig. And they kind of tiptoe into the huddle and everybody's calling a play and you look around. It's like, you know, there's there's pop culture. It's a huddle. All right. And everybody's huddled in and uh, you're down a man because some guy finger blasted a chick at a fucking popcorn stand. And you're like, all right, well, that's fine. We lose Knowles. So a year later, coach sends Knowles back in because he thinks everybody's forgot about what happened. So the guys in the huddle are like, uh, all right, we're going to call this play. And Knowles comes in. He's like, hey, guys. And they're like, Knowles, the fuck are you doing here? He's like, well, it's been a year. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll huddle up. Because that's how men are. They just, they just fucking, they think there's some statute of limitations on their fucking ugliness and it's going to go away. But it's not. It's really not. Um, but, but that's the thing is, you know, these guys are on Louis C.K. is on the sideline. He's waiting a year. He's just champing at the bit. And then finally the coach is like, all right, head back in there. Go to a set at the cellar. And he grabs his leather helmet and he shows up on stage and he ignores the fact that he just, he had molested women or not, he molested himself in front of women or look, there's all sorts of charges and whatever the fuck you want to say. Um, but sure enough, he gets a pass. He's back. I guess uh, Louis did another show at the cellar last week. And this time women walked out. Like, I mean, he's, 
And so now, but again, it's this weird fucking thing where now Jimmy Kimmel's like, hey, man, uh, comedy's very democratic. They let the audience decide who's funny and who isn't. And immediately when you say that in this kind of climate, everybody just goes, well, then, when are the stories about Jimmy Kimmel coming out? And he must know that something's on its way. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't ever back up like Louis C.K. or those dudes because then everybody just goes, well, what, what fucking skeleton you got rattling around in your closet, buddy? What kind of bones you working on? What kind of bone xylophone you playing in the, in the closet there, groovy ghoulie, as you're finger blasting a chick and hiding three skeletons behind the fucking coats, you dick? Um, I didn't know how the fuck did I even get on Harry Knowles. I don't know, he was a disgusting guy. He was a, oh, because Adam Graham, that dude Adam Graham does the voice. He's like, all right, all right, this is drag. I can't even fucking do it. If you heard it, you'd know I was close. Uh, actually, that one wasn't close. It was closer to the first time. Hey, he, he, he sounds like you're opening a rusty jar. I, does that make sense? Like that, like that, you know, that from the bottom of a fucking well. Awful. Uh, he's so bad. But yet that guy hosts a podcast. I mean, how many times, dude, I heard, all right, look, I'm going to, I'm going to share this with you. I heard a clip from a podcast the other day. Now this podcast, is just me, I get it. It's just me talking. And, uh, and you like it because you're sticking around and you're listening or you're new and you're exploring it and you're deciding you don't like it or, uh, or you might love it or you tell your friends and people go, why is that only one dude? Why doesn't he have like nine other dudes and they're chiming in and trying to be funny? Well, first of all, I only have one microphone. If I had a second or third person in here, I got to go buy more equipment and that's a non-fucking starter. But second of all, uh, I listen to shows sometimes that have multiple people on them. Now, like never not funny is the gold standard. They got a million people and it's fucking great. Comedy bang, bang. They tear it up. You get a Paul F in there. You get a Lauren Lapkus, uh, and they all, they fucking knock it out of the park because they know what they're doing because they're professionals. But then you listen to podcasts that are, and excuse me if you are a podcaster like this. Uh, and I've done shows like this where I've been a guest where there's 75 dudes like in a room, four microphones, I'm on one of them, and and they're all just trying to shove their bit right in your face. They're all just trying to fucking compete and do the do the cartwheel and get the backflip and do make it get the laugh and and uh, and and none of them want to feel like they're the clunker or the unfunny one. So they, they uproariously laugh at everybody else's bit. I just heard a clip. I'm not going to say who it was, uh, but I, I heard it. It was, uh, all right, look, here's the part where I tell you that I can't believe that I'm still, I'm still doing this out of my house. <laughs> my mom says that sometimes. She's like, do you ever think about going to a radio station and telling them that you should do this? And I'm like, yeah, I don't, there's no radio anymore, ma. Radio's done. My, my, my mom, I should know, ma, you know what? I haven't gone to the radio station. However, I have purchased you 10 CDs of Nero Wolf. Would you like to listen to those by any chance? Listen to Sidney Greenstreet and he's talking to Wally Mayer and whoever the fuck else is, is, is Archie, his fucking confidant and go-between. Uh, because my mom, again, she's trying to help. She's a lovely woman and that's great. And she's wanted this for me forever. You know, she's told me even 20 years ago, she's like, you should be in radio. You should do a radio job. Uh, you should, why, why wouldn't you call the radio people? Um, cause I have friends in radio and I know what they make. And uh, granted, look, I would rather be paid to be doing radio than be driving people around. But it's a it's a bit of a competitive market here in town and also for serious. Uh, but I but I think I've told you I've heard uh, did I talk about Craig Shoemaker on here. If I did, I apologize because I'm going to do it again. Craig Shoemaker, really nice guy. I've opened for him a couple of times a million years ago. Then it turned out he hosted the My Generation game show that I was a part of. He was the love master, the love master. I, I had to talk about this on the air. I must have. Uh, either way, he filled in on a sports talk show and he was terrible. I mean, it was, it was just so bad. He didn't know what buttons to push and he kept saying it out loud. I mean, look, I tell you guys, all oh, the blue lines aren't making it, but it's a podcast. We're just doing it here. If I was in a professional studio, it'd be totally different. That's a lie. But still, at the same time, I'm going to try to use that lie and try to get over on you guys. Um... But Shoemaker was doing the show and he, he's just, uh, he's just a stiff. And so the, the thing I really wanted to tell you about was I was listening to podcast, a clip, a guy I follow on Twitter. He's a comedian. 
or a writer on a show. I don't know what he is, but he's funny. And so I followed him and he put up a clip of something and he's like, oh man, this story always comes up and everybody always writes me about it. So it's time to retweet it so I can get whatever the fuck he, he basically wanted to go, Hey, listen to this clip of me. But he did it in that aw shucks way of like, oh, man, you know, so many people are requesting this clip and I I hesitate to do it because I always my social media blows up whenever I put it out there. However, uh, you know, just because people keep asking me, I guess I got to put it out there. It's kind of relevant, whatever the fuck. It's just a trick. And whenever oops, a hiccup weird, that was a weird hiccup. Whenever you hear anybody do something like that, Jesus Christ, this fucking show hiccups and yawns and fucking nonsense. Just shut Just stop talking. Just quit. Just breathe. Just lay down. Oh, no, I actually do have the hiccups. Am I going to have to stop? I hope not. Um, I will do my best to fight them off while we're talking. I do not want to stop down because I got fucking hiccups. I can't. See, here's the thing. I talk about people who are professional and non-professional, and I won't stop the show with fucking hiccups. (laughs) I tell you, you hear some shows, they're incredibly professional, and then you hear this guy, and he's got the dry heaves the entire show, and he won't fucking back down. He doesn't throttle down. He doesn't turn the microphone off once. He doesn't have a dump button or anything. You just hear him yakking up his fucking past. It's fucking terrible. Uh, hey, what was that you had for dinner? Well, you want to hear it? Here it comes. Uh, all right. So this guy puts this clip on. And like I said, when anybody does that, it's bullshit. When anybody's like, oh, you know what? I get so many requests for this particular clip. And I, you know, I don't like to put it out there. However, oh, shut the quit fucking jerking off. We know what you're doing. Okay. Everybody out there is tuning everybody else up to listen to their fucking thing and try to get them on board with their show or their clip or their writing. Or It's all Twitter is. The whole thing is, is all of it is just a huge scam to get you to pay attention to you and your projects. And I get it. Like I, I, I told you, I do Twitter. I do it. I do. I send some jokes out there, but then in my head, I'm like, what's the point? And then I'll see jokes like a woman tonight tweeted a joke and it, uh, what did she, uh, oh, she tweeted this joke, uh, and I'm going to do it because why not? And she just wrote, uh, me, uh, parentheses smashes champagne bottle on, on boat stern. And then in quotation marks said, I have to get a new bottle opener. And, uh, and I'm sure she doesn't want to live by that joke forever. It's not because I, I follow her for a reason. She's really funny and she's a pretty good writer. I'm pretty good. Fuck that. She's a great writer. Um, but I'm sure she doesn't want to live or die in that joke that she tweeted at fucking two in the morning or whatever the fuck it was on the East Coast. Uh, but when I saw it, it just it filled me with ennui. It filled me with th- that. That's just such a voice in the void. Like, is that worth typing and hitting send? Was that worth hitting send on? I mean, I guess, you know, we, you know, when I would write stuff and pitch it for television shows, you'd be like, ah, you know, I don't know if this fucking holds up. I don't know if this makes sense, but you know, it's what I got. I'm going to go ahead and try to write it into the crowd. Let's see. Um, But Twitter's voluntary. I mean, nobody's getting paid to do it. So if you commit to something like that, it's just kind of, I don't know. It just, it made me sad, if anything, because it made me go. You know, this poor woman, maybe she has a job writing somewhere, but she should have a job writing somewhere. She's you know, she's really funny. But then she tweets that out almost as a, like she felt like she had to. Like there's a, there's another woman I follow, too, who, uh, you know, she's funny. She writes really funny bits. And then the other day she tweeted about the fact that she's uh, she's got like four dollars in the bank and she's ready to go under and she doesn't know what to do. And her dad is sick and all these different things. And I'm just like. Wow, you were funny a second ago. And I get that with this fucking show. You know how I am. I tell you a fucking story where something's bad or good or whatever the fuck. But it just seems like because this is a, this is a platform. This is a story platform or a show platform. Or you, and you guys know me. But if you just start lobbing that kind of grenade into the middle of fucking Twitter, you're just I don't know what you I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what you're asking about. I don't know what you're trying to have happen. Um, I just saw a fucking thing today that freaked me out. I, I followed Dave Attell. 
And uh, and David Tell, he, he, so I went and looked at his feed because I, I I didn't even know Attell was on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I found his name, so I followed him, and I went on his feed, and he retweeted that there was an Indiegogo campaign to to release a special for Ralphie May, a posthumous comedy special. Uh, and look, there's a lot of Ralphie May fans out there. I'm sure they love him, and they all want to see what. It, and it was like the, the billing on it was it was said it was the so the culminate uh, cultivated from some of the last shows of Ralphie's life. Which sounds grim and probably not a way you want to tell people to get on board. But uh, is anybody out there just going, oh, I, I have to see the final performance of Ralphie May. <laughs> Holy fuck. I got to see that guy bursting out of his rap fucking clothing and sweating like a fucking hog on stage so I can just know that he died eight hours later. Wouldn't that be great? That's like saying, man, I wish I could see Elvis's last performance when he was awful. Uh, and just knowing the fact that he died in the toilet an hour later, that uh, makes this show that much better. Or that much more sad. Who knows? I don't know what people are looking for. There are a lot of ghouls out there, folks. A lot of ghouls are scooping this stuff up. Anyway, the point is, tell fucking, well, the point is, stop saying that. The point is, the deal is, I got to stop doing that. Um... So Attell tweets this link for the Indiegogo thing. And, I, and I'm and i like, all right, well, I'll see what that's all about. So I click on it. And it's being run by his uh, his wife, Lana, who, uh, you know, lovely woman. I have never met her, but I understand she's a good person. And uh, and she's trying to put together a special for Ralphie. She wants to get together a, a comedy special from, and she wants to do it using all of the existing footage of his last shows. And she wants to put it together. And good for her. Again, you want to have a tribute to your husband. There are plenty of fans out there. They all loved him. The guy would sell out theaters. They, he was a huge name. He was on TV. I'm not running him down. Was he for me? Maybe not. But I heard he was a good person who was really excellent to all of the people who worked with him. And he was universally loved by comedians. I didn't, I've never heard a bad word about him. Uh, well, eh, well, let's, all right, I'm not going to get into it. He's dead. But the point is, the point is the deal is shut the fuck up. Um, the, the, he, all right, so. She puts together, she wants to put together a comedy special, right? So uh, using existing footage. Now, it's, uh, so I go to the page for Indiegogo. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you know what they're asking on the Indiegogo page to put together the the Ralphie May comedy special, the final, the posthumous Ralphie May comedy special, so people can get a final glimpse of their hero as he was on the road in the final days before he wound up unfortunately passing away. Uh, his wife has decided that a nice number she would need to put together a comedy special for Ralphie is $75,000. Look, I'm in, I'm, I'm barely in this business. Okay. I got a fingernail just on the edge of the cliff as before I tumble into the fucking void of nothingness, but I have a fingernail still perched on the cliff of show business. And, and I can tell you, the only reason you need $75,000 to produce Ralphie's posthumous comedy special is if you're paying some doctors to reanimate him and have him perform one final fucking time. Because, man, if you already have the fucking footage, you know what you need? You need iMovie. That's all you need to make Ralphie's last comedy special. Uh, take it from me, a guy with a Patreon page. Take it from me, a guy who has, uh, you know, does whatever the fuck. I've got Geo doing cool stuff for me and Max doing cool stuff for me. Um, if either of them came to me and they said, we need $75,000 to build your YouTube channel, um, th- that would probably be our last conversation. And not because I would get rid of them, just because I would laugh so hard, I would burst a brain vessel and I would die. (laughs) It would be our final conversation because I would actually perish at the thought of giving anybody $75,000 for anything at this point in my life. But, uh, but, but I couldn't, I, and she, she'd already raised like 20 grand. Okay. And I, 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 I just, 
I tried to piece it out. I really tried to think about it. In my head, I'm like, all right, $75,000, that's... You're not even paying the talent. I don't know what you're doing. You're editing together existing footage. I mean, there's dudes who on Craigslist who would do that for, for 50 bucks. I, I don't I don't know what 75... I, look, she and she raised 20, 20 grand. God love her. I don't know what that's going for. Um, but but good. For, she's going to use that. And I don't know if the auction was closed or if it was still going on. I certainly, I didn't give any money. I should have, should have kicked. You know, I'm curious just to see, like, I want to see what they can make for 75 grand. What kind of, are you releasing it at can? Like, what the fuck are you doing for $75,000 for a Ralphie Mae standup special? I know, look, I know what people make to do standup specials. All right. Like, like how much they're paid to do a half hour special or an hour special. And, uh, and and it's it's not close. And then you factor in the fucking production costs. See, you might you might you may you may come come close to that. All right, as far as I know. But dudes, in this town, there's so many people out there. So much talent. So many people out there willing to do gigs on you know on the side hustle. You could get an editor. You could get a music guy. You could get a title person. You could get all that. Someone who could put it together. You could you could probably get away with. I'll bet you could pay five grand. Five grand. That's my guess. And that. To me, that seems high, but I'll bet for five grand you could take it. Because again, the, the key to this is existing footage. You don't have to book a theater. You don't have to get audiences in there. You have to sell tickets. You don't have to do a fucking thing. All you've got to do is take your 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 movies that you have of your ex-husband, your passed away dead husband, and you've got to edit them into one cohesive jumble, and uh, and that's it. And there you go. You're done. And and if you want to call it something, you know, call it, you know, goodbye, Ralphie or, you know, Ralphie shuffled off this mortal coil or, you know what I mean? Or I, I, don't, I don't know what you want to call it. Ralphie, you know, uh, may or may not. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it, but, uh, but you know what? Right now I deserve some of that Indiegogo money because I just gave you three possible titles. One of which was really bad. I'm not going to lie to you, but, um, <laughs> just I 75,000 fucking dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? You, you give me 75 grand. I'll put myself through school and learn the shit I need to do overnight. Like, I'll go to the University of Phoenix. I'll get a degree, whatever the fuck you need, and I'll have Ralphie special done in a month. Not even two weeks. I'll learn that shit. I'll put it in. I mean, I I got a a guy who listens to the show. He took me out to teach me Avid, like editing. Fuck, man. Uh, Jason? Josh? I don't know. Sarlotta? Um, he was super cool. He, we went at a fucking meal and he showed me how to use Avid and stuff. I wanted to be a fucking, uh, a segment producer. Uh, Pat, Pat fucking Francis does that stuff. Just fucking hire him. Give him $75,000 to tart Ralphie up and put his corpse on stage again. Why not? I, I just, I, and I don't know who gave the money. I don't know who was like, yeah, I, cause it, cause I think it was only like, like 250 people gave money and they had 20 grants. That means she's getting, what is that? That's, that's a hundred dollars a head. So you're already in for a hundred bucks and then there's tears, you know, she's given rewards and shit like that. And I mean, that's fine. But I mean, uh, the only reward is, is Ralphie based. I mean, the man's dead. What, what more could you provide? You know, like, Hey, we'll give you, here's one of his gigantic pairs of jeans for three of you to fit in and take a photo op. I mean, I, I don't know what the logic is. And again, I don't, I didn't know him. I'm sure he's wonderful. I've heard nothing but good things about the guy, but, uh, a 75 grand seems like a cash grab to me. I'm not going to lie to you. And I, and I just, I just blanched at it. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, $75,000 to do, to, to, to edit existing footage. It makes no sense. It makes none. Um, unless, like I said, you were going to create a, a somehow a machine that reanimates Ralphie for one final performance, or perhaps you make a Ralphie hologram to play at Coachella 
with the with the Tupac hologram and the fucking Prince hologram I've heard that they're thinking of doing that they better never fucking do. I'll start an Indiegogo to fucking to fund me to buy weapons to prevent the fucking Prince hologram from ever happening. I, I here's the thing. I'll start an Indiegogo campaign so I can destroy hologram technology for the future. I just give me money and I will do whatever I can to become a cyborg who just fucking like the guy in Shocker goes, you got it, baby, and goes into the fucking electrical outlet and he just swims through and he kills fucking holograms forever. God damn it. No fucking way. Can't have it. You, If you do a Prince hologram, I, I mean... I know his estate is full of people who want Prince money that never got Prince money. They're already opening his vault. They put out this fucking piano album that I haven't heard yet. I don't know if it's out yet or if it's available. I don't know. I keep getting an ad for it on my fucking Instagram, but I just, uh, I, I just don't, man. Just let it, let it rest. I, there's part of me that's like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind hearing unreleased music from that time period or, or even from later. Um, any, any music he would, would have would be genius. But at the same time, there's a reason he didn't release this stuff. There's a reason he kept it in the fucking vault. Um, you know, because maybe it's a 37-minute jam of him and Maceo Parker doing Erotic City. And he's like, yeah, maybe the world's not ready for this just yet. And I know the estate is like, no, it totally is if we can put a price tag on it. I mean, I saw Let's Go Crazy in a commercial. I think it was for a bank. Holy fuck, are you kidding me? Why Why would you do that? Why would you do that to the man? He's He's been gone a year and you're like, all right, it's time to fucking let a bank go ahead and wring out some fucking money out of this guy. And we'll get a nice check on the fucking side. Um, I know they were having Paisley Park. They were going to start making people pay to tour it, but I think it got shut down because there's taxes and all sorts of bullshit. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I have no idea. Because again, it, it, it might turn out that Prince, I don't think he had a will. And then also like he didn't pay taxes for eight years or something like that, dude. Uh, yeah, pay your taxes. I, I, I have a fucking certified letter from the IRS that I have yet to pick up that I can't wait to see exactly what it's all about. But holy shit, is that bad? If the, if the IRS comes knocking, man, pay your fucking bills. That's all you got to do. Just cough it up. Uh, and you're not going to hide from them because you know what? Your footprints all over the goddamn place. I got a fucking email telling me that I was mentioned in three different LinkedIn inquiries this, this, this week. Um, I mean, that's gotta be just spam, right? Because I, I haven't put a LinkedIn. What the fuck would I put on LinkedIn? You know, hi, I'm a goof. Hire me. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I've never been on LinkedIn. I didn't have any fucking anything to, to link with anybody in about, I don't know if my industry uses LinkedIn. Maybe I'm missing out on jobs. Maybe I should be on there and telling everybody, hey, guess what? I could do this. Um, I mean, maybe there are three people out there who are just like, oh, man, we got to find a Mike Schmidt. Like, I, and just looked me up. Or it's just, is it also like Facebook? I don't know. I'm not on, again, I'm not on LinkedIn. It just seemed like one of those terrible ideas early on, like MoviePass has turned out to be. Fucking MoviePass, man. I, I finally joined it. I never used it. I never used it once in six months. And then finally I bailed on those motherfuckers. When I was in Cincinnati, I tried to cancel. There was no spot on the fucking website. And then finally I found the place on my app to go ahead and cancel. But now it turns out that they're reanimating old fucking, look at them. They're like, they're, 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 they're I, that's the theme of the show, reanimation. They're, they're bringing back from the dead old accounts and just charging you again. Just telling you, yeah, we got a new plan. We're going to charge you now unless you opt out. Dude, I opt out when I fucking canceled two months ago. Don't you dare fucking rob me back in. I hit a button that said cancel. Don't make me keep canceling on you motherfuckers. Um, but that's the thing is everybody gets your information and they fucking hold on to it. I, I, I'm getting, I've gotten four more of those sex odd, uh, email phishing emails where they're just like, Hey man, uh, we saw you jerking off. You need to send us some Bitcoin like that bullshit. And now they're using different passwords from other sites. Like the first one I told you, it had a phrase that I had used in several passwords and now they're using other passwords from other sites. And I'm like, Jesus fucking, what the hell is happening, man? Jesus, I leave me alone. I don't have any Bitcoin for fuck's sake. Literally. I just want to, I want to email them a screenshot of the IRS certified letter and just goes, this, are you, am I really the guy you want to tumble with? You is this the guy you really want to fucking take down? I got nothing, man. Call fucking Trump and whoever the fuck else is running the IRS these days, because they just sent me a note and I can't imagine what it's going to be. Ah, uh, Christ. I don't know. I don't know folks, but I bring you this show. 
every week. Oh, that's what I want to tell you. The guy posted the fucking clip on, on uh, Twitter. And he's like, ah, you know, I don't really want to do this, but people ask me all the time. They request it. And, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, you're r- r- real fucking embarrassed. That's why you tweeted out to however fucking many listeners or followers you got. And then I listened to the clip. And uh, look, I'm a charitable guy. I'm a nice person. I try to give everybody a chance. I think that this is an, uh, this is a world where everybody gets a, a shot, a swing at the pinata, if you will. Everybody wants to, to smash open the paper mache and pick up all the candy. And I get that. And there's a long line of people willing to do it. Um, and as far I've told you, podcasting is democratic. The best thing in the world is that anybody can do a podcast. The conversely, the worst thing in the world is that anybody can do a podcast. Um, they'll, they'll just drag microphones out and they'll sit around a computer and then they'll fart into it and they'll laugh. <laughs> I listen to that fart and the way it got picked up. It's hilarious. Uh, but these are, this guy's like an ostensibly, he's a performer and he's with two other performers and he's being interviewed by these guys and he's telling a story that taken on its face was a decent story. It's not even a story. It's an anecdote. I don't want to tell it. I don't want to give it away because it's his chunk. And obviously it's very famous because he's got so many requests. I'm being a dick. Uh, but he plays the clip and he tells the story. And the thing is, his voice is uh, its a little uh, squeaky. How do I put it? Yeah, it's a little higher than, than you want. It's like when, when Bill Simmons, I don't know if you know who Bill Simmons is, the sports guy. Uh, I used to read him religiously when he was over at fucking ESPN on, and on page two or whatever. Then he got the Grantland website. And then he started to do podcasts and TV shows and I heard him talk and I went, oh, oh no, you're bad. Oh no, please write. Continue to write. You're a finger man, not a mouth man. (laughs) Don't fucking step up and do anything like that because you are clearly a finger man, not a mouth man. Holy Jesus, that's awful. I mean, his voice was just fucking grim. It's this, it's, he's, you know what he sounds like? He sounds like a creature you happen upon in the woods who might grant you wishes if you catch it. (laughs) <laughs> That's what Bill Simmons sounds like. He's got this really high. I was like, yeah, it's like it's it's kind of like like Paul Schaefer, but not as macho. <laughs> Does that make sense? Hi, I'm making a lot of friends in the industry this week. Um, so that's what Simmons sounds like. It's it's all, but it's still, it doesn't matter. He's built a media empire. He had an HBO show that got fucking whacked, but he's got a podcast that's gigantic. And I'd love to do it. I'm sure I've got a very big chance of doing it after this fucking show, as I fucking take his voice out. Um, but also he's a guy I stopped reading. Like I still follow him on Twitter, but I stopped reading his columns because he's that he's uh it's weird. He he never he never moved past who he was because that's his brand. He's the sports guy and that's what he does. He's got legions of people who follow him. But I'm always uh stunned like when you think about guys that are frozen in amber like that and they just keep getting older. Like if a guy's 48 or 70 and he's still doing the same shit he did when he was 30, uh, that's, that's rough. And then like, I should fucking talk. I mean, no show, this show, 11 fucking years, the same goddamn show. Although I'm better as a person, but you don't fucking care. You don't need me to make excuses for myself. Anyway, the point is at least no matter, even if my show's boring, you can listen to it and not go, I hate that guy's voice. Cause I got a voice. Oh, do I got pipes folks here? Me, 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 la, 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 la. <laughs> that's my voice. Uh, I had a, I had an Uber chick tell me that I had a hot voice this week. Like she got into the car with her friend and, uh, I drove them. Just across Hollywood, they were leaving a bar on La Cienega, and I was taking them. And this, I, I, I said hi, and I gave them the speech about whatever. And this woman goes, oh, your voice. <laughs> and she leaned forward, and she put her hand on my shoulder. She goes, say something else. I said, what? And she goes, say something else. Your voice is amazing. And I said, all right, uh, thank you. You're very nice to say so. She goes, I'm not nice. You, I, you, your voice is making me feel things. 
And her friend is like, what are you saying to this guy? And uh, yeah, they had a couple of beers or whatever the fuck. But she's the whole trip. She kept asking me questions just to hear me talk. She's like, she goes, you don't even need, like, you can't even do radio. I said, well, I, you know, I do have a, um, you know, I've done a podcast. And I didn't want to tell them about the podcast. I didn't because I didn't go into detail about it. I didn't tell them because again, then you're then you're just an idiot. As if I'm if I'm the guy who drove you with a cool ass voice, that's that's cachet. But if you then go, hey, check out my podcast, they're gonna go, oh wait, you gonna tell a story with two guys and it's gonna be bad. Um, and then you got to explain it's just me talking. And they go, oh my god, it's just you talking. It's a mess. But I do tell some people. But this, I knew this woman had had some drinks. She didn't fucking care. So I kind of mentioned it in passing, and she didn't really notice. Uh, and she goes, well, what do you do? And I said, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a comedian and a, and a writer. And she goes, yeah, I don't see comedy for you. I said, okay. I said, I've been doing comedy like 27 years. She goes, yeah, I don't know. She goes, um, she goes, you need something that just, that makes this voice happen. She goes, you need to be, you need to just be reading everything. Like you should do a show where you just talk. And I'm just like, oh, that's, that's a pretty good idea. She goes, yeah. Cause your voice, she goes, I'm, I'm feeling it like inside me. And her friend is like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? And, uh, and I'm like, all right, great. And she'd lean over with her hand on my shoulder. She goes, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. And I go, well, you're very nice to say so. She goes, really? I'm not nice. By the way, that happens a lot. People will say something to me and I go, you're very nice. And they go, I, you know, I have no idea. I'm not nice. I'm saying this because it's real, which is nice of people to do, I suppose. But they're also cutting their own balls off. Um, but she goes, look, I'm not nice. And her friend goes, no, she's a bitch. And I go, all right, great. That's fine. She goes, well, I wouldn't tell you this if it wasn't true. But yeah, your voice is just, it's, it's making me feel things. Uh, so then they started to talk to one another in the back seat, and I listened and I got them to their destination and, uh, she goes, what was your name again? I said, Mike. And she's like, oh, Mike, well, I, I'm not kidding about your voice and I'm hoping that I can hear it somewhere else. I go, well, you know, you probably can. And she goes, well, I'm just telling you, you shouldn't do comedy. You should do other things. And, uh, and she patted, she squeezed my shoulder and got out. And then, uh, you know, she looked at me and it was funny because I, I said, I'll wait till you guys get inside. Cause it was late. And I try to do that for ladies all the time, which is a nice thing to do. And so I'm sitting in the car and as they're walking, her friend is on her phone and she's just looking at me like they're walking toward the door, but she's looking in the window and I'm looking at her and at my brain. I'm like, she was going back to London in a, in a week and uh, she had an accent and everything. And she was just, it was, uh, she had an accent that poured like the darkest brown ale as Alcatraz would say. Um, so yeah, so I've got a pleasant voice. I know that if nothing else, if you don't like the content, if you don't like what I've got to say, if you don't like the tangents I go on, that's totally fine. And I get it. However, you can never go, well, you know, that guy's voice is just fucking like nails on a goddamn uh, supermodel or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I could have said Chalk Ward, but I tried to go something different and supermodels would pop out of my mouth. You, look, never, you never want to hear nails on a supermodel. Holy fuck, is that awful. That's Now you're in Spanish Inquisition territory. They throw some hot chick on the rack and they nail her to it. Fuck that. Nobody wants to see a fucking Instagram model. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a record right now. I'm going to tell you this. Nobody wants to see a supermodel getting uh, nailed with nails because uh, I said nails. If you want to see him get nailed, that's one thing. But I said nails on a supermodel. Like nobody wants to see Iman get nailed to a cross. Absolutely not. There's nobody out there. That's not a fetish for anybody. Nobody out there is like, oh man, I would totally love to see Claudia Schiffer get nails driven into her shoulders. No, nobody wants that. That's terrible. That's pain and it's awful. And now you're like at eight millimeter territory at that point. Oh, oh, oh machine. By the way, Claudia Schiffer and Iman were the names I came up with for supermodels. That's how old I am. Hi, how you doing? Is Claudia Schiffer even alive still? I don't know if she was. She used to rule the fucking world. Remember that? Claudia Schiffer was goddamn everywhere. Her and Cindy Crawford, they were just running the whole fucking show. And I guess I could pull like Kate Upton now. It's like a, she's a famous model, right? You know, she, well, she was. She's all pregnant now. I mean, well, it doesn't mean she's not a model anymore, but she's pregnant. So I don't know if she's out doing any photo shoots, but Justin Verlander knocked her up. And so she's, you know, she's that. Um... 
she's going to be a mom. That's all I meant. I didn't mean a bad thing, but I mean, I, I couldn't even name like other real supermodels. Other, I know Paulina Portskova. God damn. I, I'm a creature of my time. Cheryl Teagues, all those people. I know that <laughs> Christy Brinkley, uh, Kathy Ireland. What if I just named all the models I could fucking name? That'd be great. Naomi Campbell. All right. So <laughs> this guy puts this clip on the air and his voice is squeaky as fuck. It's just, it sounds like a dog chewing on a duck, like, and like a squeaky duck, not a real duck. I can't imagine what that would sound like. Boy, I, I'll tell you what, if your voice sounds like a dog chewing on a live duck, you've, you've got bigger problems than your podcast sucking. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, no, like a squeak duck, like one of those. So his voice is just that kind of in that timber. But he tells this story, and again, it's a it's a fun anecdote. Listening to it, I was like, oh, okay. It's one of those stories where you told the guys over beers, you'd laugh, and you'd just be like, wow, I can't believe that happened. You know, I mean, that, that's a you know that story. But I got to tell you, dude, the guys hosting the show, the, there's two co-hosts, and uh, he he's he starts the story. Okay, so obviously they know the story because when he starts the story, they just they start laughing, like like fucking Steve Martin and little shop of horrors on the gas. I mean, they, they, they're laughing. Like it's the funniest thing they've ever heard. He's just doing the setup. He's not, he's not even into the meat of the story yet, but he's just telling it and they're dying. These two dudes are dying. And I know you're going to be like, well, Mike, you know, you had Lily dying at setups on your show. Yes, I get that. I understand it was a little different because Lily for the first six years of the show actually thought I was funny. I think for the next three, she probably said, Hey, I've got to be a laughing person. I, I don't know. You'd have to talk to her. Um, but she genuinely thought I was a funny dude, so I would make her laugh. And that was one of the reasons the show went so long, because I'd be making her laugh and spinning off, and all I wanted to do was make her fucking laugh, because she was you guys in the room, as you know. But these dudes, you could tell they were just forcing it, man. They were trying to make, again, because quite frankly, they sold it big. And then he started to tell the story, and when it ends, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. But also at the same time, it doesn't, it's not a solid home run. I would call it a double. I'd say this home run was a double. Um... And even listening to it, I, I wrote a better ending. Like, I, I know real life, you can't do that. But listening to it, I go, there's a better ending to this fucking story. And you could have done this and it would have made the story that much better. Uh, but he didn't. And he instead, he lived his life the way a normal human being would live it, not some guy in a sitcom trying to make a better ending for his story. And I get that and I respect it and I understand it. But when I heard these two dudes laughing, and then the worst part is, then in the middle of the story, you know, he's trying to get to the point and he's telling stuff and he's, he's trying to add some color. And these two dudes would repeat everything he'd say. Like, he'd be like, yeah, so then, you know, I just, I went back and sat on the couch. Oh my God, you sat on the couch. Oh, <laughs> you just went back on the couch. You just, oh, that's fucking ballsy, man. You just went over and sat right back on the couch. And I'm just like, oh Christ, what is going on? Is he, is he like an old timey crime boss? And you guys have to flatter him to stay in his good graces. It, you know what it sounded like? It sounded like what I imagine a cabinet meeting with Trump sounds like when he's because they know they got to jerk him off to make him happy and pass whatever fucking bill they want to pass. So then they're just like, Oh, your hair looks so good. And those people are bitches, right? Oh, these bitches are so terrible. And he's just like, yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, that's my Trump. Uh, enjoy it. Um, but these dudes were just trying to add color and embellish and just sell everything as if it was a punchline. And it wasn't man. Not everything has to be a punchline said the guy who tries to make everything a goddamn punchline. Listen, I'm a professional at this goddamn it. 11 years in this business, 12 years, actually 12 years with a year off in the middle. Not in the middle, in the beginning. I did one year, and then a year off, and then 11 years of this. <laughs> 11 years by myself, and then a year uh, with a room full of dudes. But we did it right, <laughs> says this old fucking man pointing at the sky. We did it right. I'll tell you, in my day, when I did a show, uh, here's Dragnet with the big tooth. Uh, foolish. All right, so I don't even know why I was telling you about that fucking podcast, but the point is I heard... 
Uh, I heard, again, anytime I stumble into a show, I try to listen. And some shows are brilliant. Some shows are awesome. If you want to tell me about great shows, I'm happy to listen to your suggestions. But some shows, I hear them and I just go, yay, dude, that's, that's a lot of guys laughing at a lot of nothing. That's a lot of guys just treating everything that comes out of somebody's mouth like it's gold. And in reality, it needs to be spun into gold by some Rumpelstiltskin motherfucker because it is just a pile of goddamn yarn on the floor right now. It is nothing. You've got to shape it. You've got to mold it. You've got to get a rumple in there to fucking Stiltskin the shit out of it and fucking make it happen. God damn it. Um, hi. So, uh, so again, as, as I'm just indulgent in talking and we get that. And I was, you know, it's funny because I will tell you, I was, uh, I, you know, I was this week, I didn't see, I didn't see, I wasn't going to do a show this week. I was like, ah, you know what? Um, I'll go ahead and throttle down this week and I'll just do the beginning. I'll do the plugs and stuff. And then I'll go ahead and put a rerun in and we'll figure that out. And then, uh, you know, here we are, we're talking, we haven't even gotten any of that stuff. And I, I, I got stuff I can do. I can, I can get a show out here for you. I can make it happen, but it'll be that thing where I'm kind of, I, I did a live stream earlier tonight. Uh, cause this is Wednesday night, late night. I'm not going to lie to you I, you know, normally I record these on Tuesday, but I, I tried to yesterday and I was just like, yeah. Uh, and that's why the artwork is what the artwork is now. I don't even know what it's going to be. I might just put a selfie of myself up because God knows I have enough of those. Uh, so, um, I did a, I, so I did a streaming show earlier tonight on YouTube and I talked and, uh, and so, um, I told a story on there and everybody's like, man, you got to put that, you just tell that on the podcast. And then some people were like, just use the audio from this as your, as the podcast this week. But it, it, then it's dumb. Cause then you're listening to me go, look at this and Oh, look at that. And I'm talking to people in the chat room and you guys don't want to fucking hear that. And honestly, then that kills the fact that you could go over to YouTube right now and watch the goddamn thing. Cause it's there. It exists. My live streams always exist. They get cached or archived or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And you can go watch tonight's live stream, which was an hour and fucking 40 minutes, I think, or an hour and 30. 35 minutes. I can't even remember off the top of my head. I had a lot of trouble signing into YouTube tonight. It's the first time I ever had that. I tried to sign in and I was there for a bit and then it froze. And then I, hold on, I'm fighting off something. God. All right. So hi, uh, I was, I was, uh, recording and then I had to stop and then I tried to sign in. It wouldn't let me sign in. And then I'm like, cause I wasn't, I almost rescheduled the live stream. It's I've had a, I've, I made a decision this week where I was going to just kind of back off. And, and here's how my brain works. I announced last week that there was going to be a live stream. I'm like, yay, there's a live stream coming next Wednesday. It's going to be perfect. And then it got to be Wednesday and, uh, I hold on water. Um, I will hopefully not have res- residual water in my mouth. Oh, I got to tell you that story. Um, remember to tell you that All right, real quick. I'll finish the, the live stream story and then I'll tell you the other, um, I started to not, like I was going to reschedule the live stream for tomorrow, which is Thursday or today, tonight. Uh, and then I'm like, well, you know, maybe you do that. Cause I'm, I'm trying to make money. So I've been driving a lot and I know fucking comedy should trump money and I shouldn't be like, uh, you know, I, I had to go drive tonight and so I couldn't do a real podcast cause that's fucked. In reality, I was kind of, you know, I was pulling the starter on the fucking lawnmower and it wasn't, it wasn't catching. I mean, I, I, I mean, look, I can always open a microphone and do this. I can talk and I'll find things to talk about. I'm going to go ahead and be able to find something to go ahead and talk to you people about, whether it's ruining Bill Simmons as a broadcaster or talking about Nero Wolf. Oh, look what we're doing together. We're all friends and fun. Uh, But I I just thought it would be best creatively. I was going to go, you know what? I'll take this week off. So I'll just go in and do the plugs and I'll put up a show. And uh, and then I was like, I canceled the live stream. I actually had it posted. And then I was like, ah, I'm not going to do that. And here's why. Because I was like, well... 
you know, these live streams, you know, I, I, um, you know, I schedule them and I want to do them and I really like doing them, but I announced it on the show last weekend. Not one person said, Oh man, I'm excited for your live stream. So obviously in my brain, that means nobody wants me to do a live stream. Hi, welcome to my haunted brain. Uh, but that's how it works. I, I, I told myself, I go, well, look, nobody wants this fucking live stream. If they didn't, they would have said something to you. And, uh, and so this afternoon I canceled it. I was like, ah, I just took it off the YouTube thing. I didn't, I had the alert for it. I was like, ah, I'll fuck it. So then I was in my house. I did, I had to go run some errands and I came back to my house. It's like 620, 625. And I go online and, uh, on Facebook, it's, there's like three people and there are two people. And they're like, Hey, uh, when's the live stream, man? We're waiting. And what's going on? And then I go to the fucking YouTube channel and there's geo sitting there. He's like, what's up? Anybody is like, is this happening? Um, and then it dawned on me that you can't say you're going to do something. Uh, and then, and then not do it. It's just not fair to fans. It's not fair to people who want to, participate who want to support who look forward to those things you know i my brain talked me out of it because like i said in my head i was just like yeah man nobody said anything so nobody wants this obviously it's pretty clear that nobody wants me to live stream and they would have said something and they would have gone i don't know what the fuck i'm looking for and had a boy a hand job somebody to go hey man we love your live streams we i don't i don't fucking know but it's real easy for me to tell myself you know what nobody fucking said anything about this so obviously they don't want you to do one even though all of the live streams i've done have been crazy successful. People have tuned in. They've engaged. They've talked. I've talked. And I mean, one of them was fucking two hours long. I mean, it's just, it, they're fun and they're fun as hell to do. So I could go in my brain. I'm just like, well, what if I show up and there's nobody there? Well, it's obvious. Nobody wants to do one. So what am I going to go live and talk to fucking nobody? That's a, that's a whiff. Uh, even though right now, honestly, I, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm on and I'm talking to nobody. You'll get this later. You'll certainly get this prepackaged for you later in a tidy podcast box with a big pink bow on the fucking top. But right now there's nobody here in the fucking room. So I'm talking to nobody, man. I'm talking into space, the final frontier, boom, 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 the trouble with dribbles. Uh, I don't know much about Star Trek. I know that I know Spock, I know green chicks who get fucked. I know Shatner, uh, I know rock creatures and I know, uh, Khan and I know Khan. That's all. That's all I know. And I know Chris Pine and gay Spock. Now there's gay Spock. Um, so all of that, there's all my Star Trek knowledge. I don't know why I ran that down for you. Um, you know what? It served its purpose. It got me off. I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. Holy shit. Uh, I was talking about live streams and not letting people, whatever the fuck it was that you have to do what you say. All right. If you promise something, you got to deliver on it. Whether it's like I said, whether it's, oh, that's why I said if there's zero, zero people, I'd be talking into space. All right. <laughs> dummy. Um, not a dummy. I just, I just made a mistake. All right. See, I'm trying to be kind to myself and not use that kind of language anymore. The, uh, I almost, I stopped myself. I caught myself there. Be proud of me. Um, that became, that's become such a crutch. That's even worse than, uh, uh, <laughs> Um, oh, then, um, there's an, um, see, I did an, um, after an, uh, I did an ironic, uh, and an unironic, um, back to back. You can't have that. Nobody wants an ironic, uh, and then an unironic, um, yet you handle your business, man. Handle your fucking business as a broadcaster. Uh, so I didn't think anybody would be there. So I, I said to myself, you know what? Well, nobody likes this. Nobody likes you and nobody likes live streams. So stop doing them. I mean, it's just this dumb fucking thing that lives in my head. that tells me, Hey, nobody likes that. And nobody likes you. And nobody finds that stuff interesting. And so you should obviously stop because if they wanted it, they would have said something. I just talked myself out of it so fucking quickly. So I did that. And, and I, sure enough, I go on and people are like, Hey, uh, dude, when's the live stream? Like, what the fuck? What's happening? And so I wrote, I go, God damn it. I, you know, I was going to reschedule this for tomorrow. And then uh, there's a, a, a listener who's incredibly nice and very generous and fun, uh, a couple. It's Jill and her husband, Sal, and they've been to every live stream. 
and Jill is very nice. And so she, she was one of the people, her and Matthew Henshaw, who's a good friend of the show. And they, and they were both like, um, you know, we, uh, we were waiting, you know, whenever it's going to happen. And I was like, ah, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to do this tonight. Ain't I? And then Jill put up like a sad face emoji, like a, and a big one, not even like a lighter small one. She put up a big one. And I was like, fuck, I go, all right, we'll do it at 645. She goes, oh, she goes, you don't have to do it. That's okay. I go, no, it's, I, I said, I want to go at 645. She's like, yay. So then I went to doing the live stream and, uh, and guess what? A bunch of people show up and everybody's cool and they listen and I tell stories and I talk and, uh, and I, cause I, again, it's that same thing where it's kind of in the moment. If you've never been to one of the live streams, it's I'm dealing with the chat room people and I'm talking, it's a lot like this, but there's people participating. It's what I hope the Twitch channel will be going forward, especially when I get that set up and I start playing games and whatever the fuck. Uh, and I might even do, you know, like live podcasts, like, you know, where I'll just, I guess what the live stream is really a live podcast. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, you'll be able to watch me talk and do this kind of stuff. And, but people, it's funny in the chat room, people are like, it's, it's fun to see you talk uh, and see, you know, you, whatever. People have been very nice. People are very generous with their words. And I appreciate that very much. And they would say to you, oh, I'm not nice. I'm a monster, but you're good at what you do. Um, what I was going to tell you after I drank water was our good friend, Brian Howard from the heap. He's a, uh, a, which is a band that is a, a good band, a good, good band. He's got a band. Oh, he's got a beat with a good, good beat. He's got a good beat. That's off Broadway from Chicago. Uh, full moon, turn your head around and around. Google it. Um, so Brian Howard is in the heap. He's also the bass player in Cracker. Fucking David Lowry, uh, Cracker, you know Cracker, right? David Lowry, former from Camper Van, Beethoven. And now in Cracker and Brian's just tearing it up on bass. Uh, they were here in L.A. a couple of years ago at the House of Blues. And I went to the show, hung out with them afterwards, went down for beers and such and sundry. And it was totally fun hanging out with Brian. Well, Brian writes me a note last week and he's like, uh, hey, man, I know what you're talking about when you keep saying mouth sounds. Uh, or no, he texted me, he texted me a note. And he's like, I know what you're talking about when you say mouth sounds uh, because I do voiceover work because Brian is a voiceover artist, talented. And he says, uh, you know what I do? I eat a green apple before I go on microphone and it fixes all of that. And uh, you know where my brain went immediately. I wrote him and I go, well, just the fact that you're bringing up the mouth sounds indicates to me that you're hearing them the way I'm hearing them uh, and everybody must be hearing them. And he's like, well, no, I don't know about everybody. But he goes, I know what you're saying, but they're not noticeable. But as a, you know, when you hear it, you're listening to it and you're listening for them. And so you hear them and it throws you off. He goes, but you should try this green apple trick. So I wrote him, I go, dude, I am totally going to try a green apple trick. It's going to be amazing. And then Wednesday came along sitting here right now in front of this goddamn microphone. And guess what? I do not have green apples, motherfucker. I don't have little green apples. God gave me little green apples and I still don't have them for fuck's sake. Uh, but I, I wanted to do them. So I don't know if you're hearing mouth noises, but know that next week there will be fruit involved in this show. Next week, I will be chomping on a Granny Smith. I should ask him, is it a Gold and Delicious or a Granny Smith? Because, you know, Gold and Delicious is, a, is just like the title indicates, delicious. Granny Smith is a little tart. Did he want me to get a tart uh, thing and, and knock that back? Is that Does that do a thing where it makes your mouth water? I couldn't figure it out. I don't know the science. I'm not the Neil deGrasse Tyson of apple spit. All I know is he was saying, that's the move before a voiceover or a show or whatever the fuck you do. You go ahead and chomp on a green apple. So I wrote him. I said, I'm in, Brian. I'm definitely doing it. And then, of course, four days go by. I don't know if buy any fucking apples because I don't ever fucking go out to the store to do anything because I wanted to go shopping this week because I was going to be doing that. I was going to buy food and cook for myself. And we, I was going to fucking take care of it. And yet I've throttled down and backed off because I got to send the IRS some money. Um, that doesn't mean I can't go buy apples. One apple. What's an apple cost? Five cents? Hi. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
Hold on. I'm coming to you straight from the Depression, folks. I don't know if you're aware of that. That was my reference point for apples. How much is an apple? Five cents? Yeah, it's the same as a pencil, you fuck. Just go find the grizzled guy standing outside the sandwich cart in the soup kitchen. He'll send you a fucking apple and a pencil and send you on your fucking way for ten cents. Can Brother, can you spare a dime? You'll get an apple and a pencil in these days. These terrible days. Which are coming back. Don't kid yourself. We have... Right now, people sleeping in tents all over Los Angeles, people sleeping in tents all over the valley. I mean, you drive under a viaduct and it's like fucking, there's like four tents. And that's just, you know, that's got to suck anyway. Look, you're homeless. You're living in a tent. What if some shitbag moves into next to you in his tent? Because you're on the street, man. You can't trust anybody when you're out on the street. Well, oh, 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 oh. Because a guy in his tent, now he could suck. When you're out on the street, when you're out on the street. Uh, put on your best dress, baby. We're going to set up a tent to sleep outside in the wild, honey. All right. Uh, we're going to sleep right next to a creep. All right, shut up. So uh, that's my song about the homeless people building tents all over the fucking place. I don't know. I don't know what's happening to this planet, this country. Uh, as I've said on here many times before, you go to downtown LA and they've gentrified it. So there's like all these cool ass bars and restaurants. And then you take three left turns and you're in Calcutta. It's just, it's just people riding in bikes. They're riding bikes in figure eights at the front of a street with all the streetlights out to basically warn you, Hey, don't come down here. This is not, this is our neighborhood. You don't want to be down here. And I, I just tool around. I'll go around. I don't give a fuck. The last thing I'm going to do is turn down that street. And you just see rats running in the street in these places. And these poor people sleep in, in tents. And then, and they're, you know, I'm sure they're, like I said, they're neighbors. So they got to try to help each other out. But what if a fucking loon moves in next to you? Because look, let's face it. I feel bad for the hobos. I want to do the best I can for them and help them. Like I said, I give them a high, eye, eye contact. I've given some a firm handshake. I don't have a lot of money to spare these days. If I have a bottle of water, it's yours. Uh, but I've, I've seen them. And there are some of them that are just, they are, they are two minutes to fucking midnight, man. And the alarm is pulled and ready to go off. I mean, I don't know what the fuck is happening. They just, they walk in circles. They're all googly eyed. They, they look like old prospectors tinning for gold, but there's no gold to be had. And they got rags on their feet instead of shoes. I mean, these, these guys have just wandered out of a fucking Renaissance painting that, you know, or not even like a Jesus painting. You ever see when they have Jesus and he's all laid the fuck out and there's like eight dudes in robes with bare feet. And they're like, Jesus, what happened to you? He's like, they fucking nailed the shit out of me, man. Where were you guys earlier? I, you should have fucking come to help me because they banged me up into this fucking cross and helped me out for everybody. What about Barabbas? He's over there too. Go talk to him. He, he was here. He saw it. Where the fuck were you guys? off eating fucking sandwiches um but he got his revenge he came back he came out of the cave three days later and he just fucking killed everybody who got in his way that's what iron man's about uh when you hear you know this black sabbath song iron man that's about jesus um jesus is the iron man and he comes to life and he fucking he's he winds up killing everybody <laughs> you don't believe me google it google all these things look at a lot of stuff you got a lot of homework from this show i'm just passing out assignments ladies and gentlemen um so I did the live stream earlier tonight and I, I was telling them some things about my apartment and you know, you can actually go see them on the live stream, but I'm going to tell you now, why not? I'll tell you this, uh, that happened. Um, I've been going through the things in my apartment and, and I'm just about done. I'd say my apartment is 90% finished. I have to try to get a dresser from another comedian and I'm going to put that in my living or my bedroom. Uh, I got an on-ramp coming through my bedroom as well. I'll use that to go ahead and pull the, the dresser in there. And I've got a hutch in the bedroom and I'm going to put all the stuff because that's where, that's where I keep socks and boxer briefs and some jeans. So that stuff will all go in the dresser. I've never owned a dresser. Like, I, I mean, since I was a kid, I've never, I've just kept my stuff neatly folded on the floor. And then this hutch came along and I was able to use that after Karen bailed because I don't know what she had in there. Fucking smiley figures or whatever the fuck, uh, some porcelain, but then it left and I replaced it with jeans. 
course, linen denim. That's how it works. Um, so I, uh, I'm getting this dresser, and then when that's done, uh, I, I've got to get the artwork framed. But I'm 90% done. I mean, I, I went and shredded 70 pounds of documents last week. I went to Box Brothers, brought them in there, and, uh, you know, so all my closets are cleaned out. Every All the excess bullshit that I had is gone. And, uh, and I'm feeling good about it, but in the, in the cleaning out of my cabinets, <clears throat> I found, uh, I've made some discoveries of some things I found, uh, <laughs> in a cabinet that was in the hallway, like, right. There's, it's not even a hallway. It's just like a little foyer. And then to the right is my bedroom in front of you is the bathroom on the left is my one big linen closet. And then shelving units where I keep a bunch of, you know, where I got all my shampoo, deodorant, all that nonsense. And, uh, but up above there are two cabinets and I, I had, I didn't know what was in those. I hadn't looked in those in the longest fucking time. I just, I think I had just shoved stuff in there and I'd forgotten about it. So when we went up in there, we actually found my old consoles. We found my Sega Genesis with some old games. Uh, we found a PlayStation with some old games and we just started pulling that stuff out. Well, I couldn't reach all the way to the back. So my friend Kyle was here and he starts pulling stuff out of there. He's like, all right, I go, cause he got on a chair. He's a little, he's a little wee guy. He's a little tiny. So he climbed up on a chair and he started pulling stuff out. And he, uh, there was an iron back there that I didn't even know I had. Uh, there was a football, which I'd been looking for actually. Cause I like, I just, I, it helps me to hold a football. I know that sounds ridiculous. When I was writing, I've told this story many times before. So brace yourselves. Here it comes again, because why the fuck not? When I worked writing on shows, I would always have a football and a baseball bat in the office. I think it's because I thought it was cool that you could work in a place where you could just throw a football in the air and think of jokes. Uh, but at the same time, it helped me. I liked having a ball in my hand. I liked, I liked just gripping it or spinning it or throwing it. I liked holding a bat and just had it on my shoulder while I'd think of jokes. And then we'd go type some stuff and then I'd pick the bat up again. I'd get up and get into a stance. I fucking, it's like, I'm sure some guys do it with golf clubs. You know, they got putters, whatever the fuck they got. They put into a cup in their office. I I'm sure in my head, I thought it was a grown up thing to do, but also a grown up kid thing to do. And also a creative thing to do. Um, there was a reason why it made me feel good. It was a security blanket and I dug it. So I found this football that I'd had fucking forever. And we, we pulled that out. I was very happy. I got to inflate it. It's a little, it's a little soft because I haven't seen it in six years or whatever the fuck. Uh, but then Kyle goes, what is this? And he pulls out a uh, can or a tin. I, I don't know how to put it. It's uh, it's probably, eh, it's about a foot and a half tall and it's, it's uh, a metal like aluminum, I guess. I, you know, it's fucking, it, here's what it is. You ever get those popcorn tins around Christmas time where it's got like caramel cheese and regular and there, and it just, it's a popcorn tin. It's a fucking, it's a, and a big one too. It's a big fucking thing. Um, well, so it's that size, but it is, uh, it's a wedding time capsule. <laughs> I didn't realize that uh, this was still lurking in my house. I guess I, I completely forgot about it. Like I, you know, like I said, when I'd found Karen's stuff, you know, when Karen left here in, in 2013, she left a ton of stuff in the closet. And as you know, if you followed this show for as long as some people have, uh, I couldn't throw it away. I didn't want to. I, it wasn't some weird misplaced, oh my God, I love her. She has to come back. It wasn't anything like that. It was, it was guilt over how everything had ended and uh, it was refusing to hurt her even more than I already had because I wasn't going to throw away her belongings. I'd already stolen her life. 
I wasn't going to throw away her belongings. And I know people are like, Mike, you didn't, you didn't ruin her life. You didn't do this. You know, it, it works both ways. Yeah, it did. Did I, did I ruin it at the end? Like the last year and a half of the marriage? Yeah, I did. I, I, I did not behave properly. But you know what? The last year and a half, she probably didn't either. And she'll tell you the same thing. Um, but, but I'm not, it's not a dick swinging contest. Who's bad, who's good, whatever. All I can do is accept my part in it. And I know I was not a good husband throughout the entire marriage. We've covered this. I've talked about it many times. So I was not going to compound that error by throwing out things of import to her because these boxes, you know, when she fled, she fled essentially. Like, I mean, she just packed her clothes and uh, whatever other stuff that I guess that she could carry, and she got the fuck out. I came home, and I found a note, and she was gone. An empty closet, and finished. Um, and again, I didn't blame her. I, I was wrecked, but but I kind of understood it. You know, in the abstract, when you sat down and actually looked at it from a third-party view, and you thought about it, it was like, well, yeah, this makes sense. And it makes sense for her, because if she felt trapped, or she felt that there was a situation she wanted to escape, then by all means, escape it. You know, like I said, I had, I had stolen enough of her life up to that point. So when I found the stuff in the closet, you know, when she left that stuff in the closet, I said, you know, she came home and then there, you know, I did the show where she came with her niece and she brought the cops and they grabbed, uh, they grabbed, she grabbed my rice cooker and my Monty Python's uh, DVDs. That's all she took. She took those and carried those out the door. Even the cops are like, really? That's what you're grabbing. All right. That's fine. And I even said to her, I go, look, you can't come back here over and over and just keep getting this stuff. I mean, you got a whole closet full of boxes. You can just, just take it all now. And she's like, nah, I don't have any room to get it, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to grab it now. And, and she and her niece left and then it just stayed in there. And then I wound up getting into a relationship with Jill. And then Jill would, uh, come and come to my house and she would go, why is that stuff in the closet? Like, why the fuck? Why, why do you still have Karen's things in your closet? And I'd say, I, just because I can't throw them away. She'd go, why do you want her to come back? Is that what it is? You want her to come back? And I go, no, that's not it. But, uh, but I have guilt over how the way things ended and, and it, it kind of tears me up. Like, I, I don't want to throw more of her things away. It just, and she's like, well, why are, why is it here? Why would you do that? And I said, because I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't, you know, I, I said the answer, I, I'm not going to hurt her by throwing it away. And she's like, well, what's your solution? I said, I don't have one. I, I really don't, but it's just, it's in the closet. I can close the door and we don't know it's there anymore. And she's like, I'll always know it's there. Every time I come over here, I'll know, I'll know it's there. And you want her to come back. Obviously you must still love her. You want her to, I'm like, look, I know it's not that. And that always became an issue for, for Jill and I, like I, um, you know, when Karen left, and then I was, I was, you know, with Jill and then, uh, but we still hadn't told anybody that we were together. And then Karen tried to friend Jill on Facebook and Jill called me in a panic. I mean, and called me, not even texted me. She called me. I was at work at, in, at the fucking barbecue house. And she's like, what the fuck is, why is this? Why is this happening? I go, I don't know. I, I got no idea. And she goes, why would she friend me? And I go, I don't know, dude. I, cause Karen was weird. She did some weird things sometimes. And, uh, and maybe, and also she maybe thinks she thinks she's being nice. I, I, I can't tell you. I, that was I knew Karen 20 years. We were married, but I mean, there was still sometimes I'd look and go, I don't, I don't know what the fuck that, that's just a whistlehead move. Like what the fuck was that about? Um, but it was your wife and you were just like, Oh, okay, well I get it. Cause that's, you do that stuff and I'm not going to argue. <laughs> so she, I, and I, I couldn't understand why she tried to be, I, so I just said, but the thing is to me, it wasn't a big deal. I go, so block her. And Joe goes, what do you mean? I go, just block her. Just who cares? Just don't accept the friend thing and block her. Well, I want to know why she's doing this. Why? Why do you want to know? Who the fuck wants to know anything? 
well, it doesn't make any sense. Like, did you tell her to do this? Why the fuck would I tell her to do this? I don't know what you're saying. I, I don't, and I'm at work again. I'm on the phone and, and I'm just like, look, I don't just, honey, block her. That's all you got to do. It's that easy. You, you unfriend and you block or you don't, you don't accept and you block. Uh, so the way she handled it was she wrote, I, I think like a day went by and I still had conversations about it. And she wrote her a note. She actually, Jill actually reached out and wrote Karen a note and said, I, I don't think it's proper for us to be friends at this point in time. Uh, I hope you're, whatever, wrote her, wrote her a nice thing, I suppose. I didn't read it. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't just fucking block her and be done with it, but that, go for that. So the stuff was in my closet. It was always there and I, I never got rid of it. And then it started to get to be a real problem with Jill. And then Jill, you know, one other time we were in Chicago and uh, Jill and I, you know, we literally, and this is a, look, it was bad timing. There was no doubt. We had just finished uh, tearing the room apart. I mean, we were, and you know, we're just fucking sweaty and we're going to go to sleep and, and uh, uh, you know, you can't walk, whatever. And uh, my phone pinged, ding. And it's, you know, it's like one thirty in the morning. So I got out of bed to grab it. And she goes, what are you, what are you doing? And I go, I went, well, who's one thirty in the morning? And it was Karen. And, uh, I know I'm not giving you a real good time frame of this, but this is within, you know, a year after Karen left. Um, because Karen had reached out to me and we started to talk because, uh, her parents were sick and, uh, her dad was sick actually, I should say. And, and so she was having a real rough time with that dealing with that and with her family and these other things. And so I was, I wanted to be a friend to her, you know, and I was like, all right. And I had gotten her through some, some rough times, you know, and we had texted back and forth. And I just, I just wanted to be, uh, the sympathetic ear that I probably wasn't during the time we were together, you know, and, and, and I loved her. I wanted to make sure she was okay. Um, but not like in a comeback way. And I could never make Jill understand that. So the phone goes off and I pick it up and she's like, who is it? I said, it's Karen. And she goes, well, what's going on? I said, well, her dad is sick and and, and Jill was furious. She's like, you, you want to get back together with her? I, I, I don't. I go, I'm trying to be her friend. You know, she's got, she doesn't really have anybody else. She's got sisters, but sometimes they can be a little rough and it's a bit much. And, 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 you know, I was, I was with her for 20 years. I mean, and, and we have a very unique, uh, not very unique. You can't be very unique. We have a unique connection in that I was, uh, you know, Jill's, or I'm sorry, Karen's, um, I was her first for everything. So I, I, you know, I think she felt there was still some sort of friendship or kinship there. I mean, we'd, we'd spent 20 years of our life together. So there still has to be a, an underlying base of friendship there. You would think, cause we didn't, there was no hate in our separation. I think she just felt desperation and bailed. Um, I can't speak to it. I don't know. Um, even though, like I said, I, I've told the, sh- the story on the show, I'd had a chance to meet her and apologize. And I told her all those things and said, I was sorry. So I was able to verbalize how I felt and tell her I was really sorry about what had happened. So I've, I felt good about that, but then her stuff was still in my house and I couldn't get rid of it. And then she was talking to me about her parents and, and it freaked Jill out. And at the time I was trying to, to, to do everything for Jill that I didn't do for Karen. I was trying to be the, the best man I could be and do what I thought would work. And I, so I said, I, all right, I, I, I won't talk to her. She goes, well, no, you're just, you, I know you want to, and you're going to go back to her. And I said, I'm not going to go back to her. I won't talk to her. It's fine. And I wound up, uh, I just cut Karen off. I didn't talk to her. I can't remember if I sent her a text saying I couldn't talk to her, but I, I, I blocked her on Twitter. I had deleted her from my phone even like, I mean, I didn't, I was just done. I walked away because I did not want to jeopardize the new thing I had. I didn't want to ruin it the way I felt I had ruined the previous relationship. And I, I had to do that 
to save everything. I, 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 that's how I felt. So, uh, time went by, you know, I had, I had a couple of incidents with Karen. I told you she shut off my electric when I was at work one day and, uh, she sent me a text once. She said, Michael, I think I understand what's going on now. That's all she said. Um, and that was it. I still had the stuff in the house and I made the decision, you know, if you've listened to the show, you know what I did. I decided, fuck this. I went and I took all of the boxes out. I sorted eight boxes down into one box. I threw away all the stuff that I felt was superfluous and it wasn't my decision to make, but at that point it really was because it was shit that was in my fucking house. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get rid of this shit and I'm going to, I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it for Jill. I'm going to do it for us. And also I was doing it for Karen because I wanted her to have the things that I knew she wanted. So I saved all of her journals because she had personal journals that she kept that she wrote in. I saved her high school yearbooks, some jewelry, family photos. I mean, anything that I thought was important enough to ship. I, I saved it and I got a big ass box and I filled it up. Everything else I threw out. I just fucking did old magazines, shit that she was saving books that I didn't think she'd want. I just tossed it, man. Uh, but I saved everything that I possibly could. I put it in that box and I shipped it to the last address that I had known about, which was her niece's house, uh, down South near San Diego. Never got a confirmation from the post office. I thought for sure I had bought a confirmation, uh, code, but I didn't hear from them and I never heard from her, never heard from her niece. So I just assumed, well, what the fuck I did? I did my part. If it got lost in transit, that sucks because of all the effort that I put into it and for holding it as long as I did. But at the same fucking time I sent it. So I don't have to worry about this. It's, and it was, uh, and I felt grown up when I finished. I'll be honest. I felt proud of myself because I was like, this is a step you're making for your new relationship. You're cutting ties with an old relationship, but at the same time, you're not doing it in a terrible way. You're sending somebody things that means things to them. And you're, you're, you're doing this the right way. I felt good about it. So then, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to Karen for, (laughs) for three years now. I haven't talked to her. And when Kyle pulled down that wedding capsule, I just like, holy fuck, how did I not look up there? How did I not look up in those cabinets when I was packing all of her stuff? How could I, how could I keep that in here? So he pulls it down. He goes, uh, you want to just toss this? And I go, yeah, I do. I'm going to look at it though, because, uh, I'm still me. I have to look at it. I have to see what it is. So, uh, he left and I, I didn't open it. And I, I left it sitting on a table. And this is a good three weeks ago. This is even before I went to Canada. Uh, I didn't open it even before I went to Canada. It sat there for two weeks and it sat out in my living room. And I've, I've looked at it every day. I put my keys in my wallet next to it. Uh, and I know you're thinking to yourself, well, Mike, just fucking throw this out. And you're right. You're absolutely right. But like I said, I hadn't even opened it. I didn't know what was inside it. I, I, I had a general idea of what could possibly be inside it. So I finally opened it uh, last week. And, uh, it's, it's everything I thought it would be. It's, it's the cards from people at the wedding. It's cards for her shower. It's a, uh, a music box that plays. Here comes the bride. Uh, it's, it's everything. It's the entertainment weekly from the week we got married, you know, little things like that, like handwritten notes, uh, receipts from the hall, just, just the general things you would look back on. Um, I thought her garter was in there, but her garter is not in there. I was shocked. Uh, but it's, it also, <laughs> it had a long box and I couldn't figure out that. That's what I thought. That's what the garter was in was this long box. I opened it up. It's, uh, it's our cake knife. 
the knife we use to cut the cake uh, and feed each other at the wedding. We have that in the box, in the time capsule. And, and I just, uh, you know, I looked at that stuff. And, and it's, it doesn't affect me in the way I thought it would. I mean, it, it, it's, it hurts. I won't lie. It, it throws you on your fucking heels. But not in a way of like, oh, I regret this. I wish she was here. I need to get back with her. And none, none, none of that feeling. But just it's the feeling of, of happiness gone dead. It's the feeling of optimism extinguished. It's the feeling of promise unkept. Because all of those people who wrote those cards had faith that day. That music box played a song that meant something that day. That cake knife fed us that day. And uh, like I said, it's, it's not... It's not that I want to keep it because I want to keep alive memories and hope things like that happen again. It's that I didn't, I saw it and I know I should have thrown it away right away. I could have thrown it away. I could have, I could have not even opened it and just thrown it away, but I had to see, I had to look and, uh, and opening it and looking inside of it and going through it. And, and I, I know throw it away and I will throw it away. I know, but it it just seems like you're throwing away joy. Like you're just throwing away your past. Even if it ended in tatters. Even if it 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 isn't love anymore. Not that not the love of that day. It still seems like you're you're just grinding love under your fucking boot heel. Without regard. So uh so that's sitting on my console underneath the TV and it's been here. And so then as I've mentioned, I'm 90% along the way finished. And I started to look and I started to sort through boxes, you know, when I, when I was getting those documents to shred and going through old boxes, um, I happened to find just this past week videotapes that belong to Karen. And these are important. One of them is a pageant that she participated in when she was younger uh, a couple of them are stand-up tapes because, you know, Karen wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And so these are actual tapes from a comedy called The Funny Firm in Chicago of her performing. And then another one of the tapes is an audition tape that she sent out to try to get work. Um, I don't know if it's a bunch of sets or one set. I have no idea. But I know they're hers. And I know they mean something to her. And, uh, and you know, in, in your brain, you just think, well, you know what? Just tear off the fucking scab, man. Just throw them in that fucking time capsule and throw it out. Just toss it all. You've already done enough. You've already done what you could do. You've already sorted through things. And if she really wanted these things, she would know about it. But no, that's not the fucking case, man. She ran off. She didn't think. She just had to get away. And that that's, that's, you know, that hurts even more. That she couldn't even stay to face me. That she just, she had, she was in such a bad situation with me that she had to get the fuck out leaving things that meant something to her behind. I mean, I, I, this is not lost on me. So if I come along something that has meaning to her, I can't in good conscience throw it away the way I threw away everything else in the past. But I don't know where she is. I haven't talked to her in three years, as I mentioned. It might even be more, four, four years, whenever she turned my electric off. Yeah, you know what? It's 2018. It might have been 2014 is the last time I talked to her. It's got to be four years. 
but I, I have these videotapes and I, you know, and then I thought to myself, well, I could contact one of her friends or I could just send them to, to her niece's address that I had. I don't, but I don't know again, four years. Who the fuck knows, man? I don't know where anybody is. So I went to her Facebook page and, you know, obviously we're not friends on there. <laughs> Big shock. I think, I think she unfriended me before she left the apartment. Uh, that's a smart move. Um, but we're not friends. And she doesn't use Facebook very much anyway. I mean, like I, I went to her page and her last post was from months ago. So I wrote her a note. I reached out and just said, uh, Karen, it's, you know, I, I hope wherever you are, you're happy, healthy, and warm. In going through some stuff in the apartment, I found some videotapes of yours that I think you would probably want. Uh, if you do, I need an address to ship them to. If you don't, tell me and I'll, I'll go ahead and just toss them. It's not that big a deal. Uh, take care of yourself. I hope you're happy. And just, you know, whatever. I didn't repeat it. I said happy, healthy, warm in the beginning. But still, take care of yourself and, and sign my name and send it off. Now, the thing is with Facebook, if you're not friends, your message goes into mail jail. So it sits there until they check it, you know, and it's funny, I'm guilty of this myself. I've, I probably haven't checked mine in a year, you know, where, cause I, I used to get messages, all, you know, why I stopped checking it? Cause I would get messages all the time from when I was booking 2020, 20, people would write me and be like, hi, I'm from Arkansas. Can I do a set when I'm in LA for a vacation? You know, all that shit. And I just kind of ignored it. I, I would go in there every once in a while and just fucking thin it out and go, sorry, I don't have a room. Sorry, I don't have a room. But I finally stopped looking. Cause I was like, Jesus Christ, answering these people. I mean, I don't even answer people I like. But it's it's unkind to book a room and not answer the comics. So uh, so instead, I just stopped going to that section. I know that sounds really good. Hey, so instead of writing these people a nice note, I just stopped checking my unsent mail or whatever the fuck it is, or uh, you know, unfriend mail. So uh, so I know that exists. If somebody's not friends with you, they send you a note and you get it. It just you don't see it because it's in a in a fucking. You have to check. You have to go looking for it. So we're not friends. So I sent it and I just assumed, you know, whatever, obviously she'd see it or she might not see it. Who knows? But in the interval, like I said, I got the videotapes and then, uh, you know, I got this fucking wedding capsule and I'm looking through that and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I don't, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not bad. But, but it's, you know, you can, you can smile and you can go, well, this was fun or that day was fun. You can think of those things. But at the same time, in this next breath, you're thinking about throwing that stuff away. And it just, man, it just strikes the wrong chord. Even though it means nothing, it doesn't really mean anything anymore. I mean, this is from 21 years ago or 20, yeah, 21 years ago now. Um, and it's been in this fucking aluminum can forever waiting to be reopened when who the fuck knows when we were going to have cake on our 20th anniversary or I, I, I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. So, uh, so I didn't hear back from her and I, I waited, you know, I didn't fucking, I wasn't going to fucking <laughs> bother her a million times. And I'll be honest with you, she wasn't even in my phone. So I couldn't contact her that way. Cause I, I didn't even know her phone number. I, I don't, I don't, I deleted everything, man. I didn't know. I, 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 I thought that was, the good thing to do, the right thing to do, the smart thing to do. Uh, and I'm not saying it wasn't. Um, I don't think it should have been insisted upon so strongly over and over. I think I should have been trusted when I said that I had no interest in getting back together with this person, but Hey man, I'm not going to fucking till that ground again right now. Anyway, 
I'm sure I will later. I'm sure in an hour when I'm just staring. Um, so I didn't hear from her. And so I, I waited. Time went by. Oh and, oh, and I should also tell you this. <laughs> when I wrote her on Facebook, it was her birthday. It was just, it was a coincidence. It just so happened to be that day. So I, I even said happy birthday in the note, you know, and, uh, and so then a few days went by and like I said, I didn't hear from her and I went to her Twitter page and I was blocked on her Twitter page. And that makes sense. It makes total sense to me. But then I looked closer and it turns out I wasn't blocked. She has her account locked down and you have to request to follow her. If you're blocked, it just says Karen reader has blocked you or Karen. I apologize. Fucking names. Um, but if you're not blocked, it says this person has protected their tweets. And so you need to do what you can. And I'm like, all right. So, uh, it says you have to, you have to ask them to follow them in order for them to accept. And you can send them a note. So there goes, you know, just sending a note. Now I have to, I have to signal that I'm there, which I fucking hate, but I, that's fine. So uh, I followed her on Twitter. I sent a request and, uh, I waited and I think it was two days later I was sitting here and my phone went off. It was like, put the link. And I looked and it said, uh, Karen reader has followed you back. So she accepted me and then she followed me on Twitter. And that was uh, a weird moment. Not going to lie to you. It was just fucking strange to see her name pop up on my phone. It was just, it was, I mean, it's all been, it's, this has all been weird. And I, am I making it weird? Maybe I could have just thrown this shit away and not even fucking worried about it, but that's, that's not who I am. I would have thought about it and I would have worried about it. And, uh, I would have known that she wanted something and I destroyed it. So, uh, so she accepted that on Twitter. And then on uh, just this past Saturday, I was in my house and uh, my phone rang and I didn't recognize the number and I let it go to voicemail because I don't answer the fucking phone at all because the IRS might go, hey, let's not send him a certified letter. Let's give him a shout and have a chat. Um, I just don't, I don't answer the phone, period. Unless it's somebody I know. It's got to be somebody I know. So uh, I let it go to voicemail and then... I went to the voicemail section on the phone and I looked at the number and in my brain, I went, wait a minute, this actually, that looks familiar. And, uh, I was like, well, that, I mean, that, it can't be <laughs> there's, I mean, it looks, and then <clears throat> I got a text from Twitter and Karen had sent me a note on Twitter. And I was like, oh, okay, well maybe I'll answer a note. But at the same time I was like, this this might be her voicemail. I have to check it. And I did. And, um, it was, she had called me and left a message and, uh, she was, you know, very nice. And she said, thank you for your note. And, uh, I hope you're well and I hope you're happy. And absolutely. I want those tapes. And, um, so, you know, just let me know what you want to do. And, and again, it was a very nice message. So then I went to Twitter and I saw her note there and basically it said the exact same thing. Except she also said, you know, I also have some photographs that you might want photographs of the, of your godson and all these other things. So if you want that sent your way, I'll go ahead and send those. That's fine. And, and I thought I was going to answer her on Twitter because, you know, she sent me that note and I was like, all right, well, cool. I can just go ahead and answer this and, and skirt any responsibility and just go ahead and get this done, taken care of, get the address. Cause she sent me the address that I should send it to. And, uh, and then I said to myself, you, you can't do that you know, you run away and hide from too many things or you have in the past. You're not like that anymore. It's not who you are. You don't run away. You don't hide. 
She called you, man. Have the balls to call her back because you started all this. You fucking wrote her a note twice. You wrote her on Facebook. You wrote her on Twitter. Obviously, you wanted to get in touch with her. And it would be impolite to not speak to her, especially after she made the effort to call you. So I called her on Saturday. And uh, we talked. And and I, you know, caught up. Talked for like 90 minutes. Uh, and, and just, you know, I, you know, I had talked about it on the show before I had told you that, um, that Jill, after we had broken up, Jill had reached out to Karen on social media <laughs> and I, and I didn't know what the fuck that meant or why, or what the fuck was going on. I, I have a better understanding now, but I I've had a better understanding for a while now of why that happened. Um, you know, Karen brought it up when I was talking to her and I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really sorry that that happened, that you got dragged into that. And. But then I, I found out about her, where she lives and what she's doing. And, and uh, more importantly, she sounded like Karen. And I thought that was pretty great because for the last couple of years of, of we were together, she did not sound like Karen anymore. She, um, she was frustrated. She was lost. And I know I had a lot to do with that. She had some other things that came up and, and it just, it became... It became hard for me to deal with. It became hard for her to deal with. And then you add me into the mix and I'm not fucking helping anything by being me half the time. And that's a me from, you know, seven years ago before I started seeing Shannon and figuring out who the fuck I was as a guy. And so I understood why she had to flee, why she had to escape. But at the same time, you know, I I was kind of glad that she did because it, it had become kind of untenable. Um, so Talking to her now, though, she sounded like the Karen I met. Sounded like the Karen I met in, in 1993. She was happy. She was smiling. I could hear it over the phone, you know, and uh, she was optimistic. She's been writing. She's been doing things. She's just she's just in a good place. And it made me really happy to hear that. Because, you know. She hurt me, but she hurt me by doing something she felt she needed to do for herself. And I've always understood and respected that because I was not a good partner and I was not a good husband and anything she needed to do to go back and save herself and become the person that she used to be or the person that she wants to be going forward. I'm, I'm all for it. And that wasn't going to happen with me the way I was back then. I, uh, I was not a good husband. I took things for granted and I was very selfish and I, I left her to her own devices and did not, uh, whatever. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a good husband, a good partner. And, uh, you know, she wasn't either near the end. Now she, she will tell you that and she'll, she'll own it because she did on the phone with me. We apologized to one another and, and we, we said, she's like, I, I had to do this for this and I had to do this for that. And I said, I understand. And I had to do this and. Uh, you know, I told her I've been driving for Uber. She actually, I guess, drove for Uber for a while. Um, and I, I, you know, it just, it was a good conversation. I felt really good about it. I felt happy. And so she wants the videotapes. I have to send them and, and that's great. Um, I didn't bring up the wedding capsule because she can't want that, right? I mean, there's no reason to want that. It's as dead to her as it is to me. Like I said, it doesn't represent 
anything that I want to revisit, but it represents a time when happiness was a possibility and throwing it away seems like you're just destroying that, even though it's already been destroyed. So I'll, I'll throw it away. It's just a matter of time. And honestly, talking to her made it a little bit easier because I looked at this container and I thought throwing it out was destroying memories and destroying happiness and destroying the promise of what once was. But in talking to her and hearing that she's happy and healthy and warm, I realize that that's just stuff. And what was can never hope to be as important as what is. You guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can be my friend at Facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can follow me at Twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. I'm on Snapchat and Instagram at Mike40YOB. I don't know why I'm on Snapchat. I talk to two people on there, but that's fine. I live. I lurk. Uh... <laughs> so you can find me there Instagram and Snapchat Mike40YOB I'm there I'm your pal Ryan Dirks does all the web stuff for this cool ass show he's the best you can find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks and be his friend uh, Giovanni Giorgio Peluso he's our right hand man he does a bunch of cool ass stuff for us as well a lot of cool ass in this fucking promo segment uh, you know he built our YouTube channel which I'll tell you about on the other side but more importantly he's got a YouTube channel you can check it out it's called, uh, you know, I'm going to look it up because I have it written down. It's called, because it's got a long name. It's like the love for the other two hosts or something. I've got to fight it. He's going to be mad. The love between the two hosts, YouTube channel. That's our friend Giovanni Giorgio Peluso's YouTube channel. He also has his own podcast. He's got the Get It On Geo podcast. And uh, he does all the love line stuff, man. If you're not out there and you don't know what that's all about, Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla did a great ass show. Cool ass show, maybe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why the ass affectation all of a sudden? Um, but they did love lines forever and, and Gio has taken it upon himself to find them, feel them, fuck them and forget them, which seems weird. Uh, no, that's odd. He's scrubbing them up and he's making them ready for your consumption. Now on the internet, you can find them and love them and think they're so great. Relive them. If you listen to them before, discover them now, if you need something new, because they are fantastic broadcasting and Gio is the one responsible for bringing them back to life. So thank him for that. You can find him at facebook.com slash Giovanni Giorgio Peluso to tell him he's the best and you love his shows and thank him for doing all the cool stuff he does for us. David Mex Hernandez is our right-hand man. He's our consigliere. I think I just called Gio the right-hand man. I got two right hands. That's how it works. It works out better when I jerk off that way. Get to hold the balls with one hand and jerk off with the other. Don't decide which one is which, guys. Don't fight over it. Uh, <laughs> so, Jesus, everybody's quitting on me. David Mex Hernandez does all the cool-ass... Ah, fucking cool-ass. It came out again. What is wrong with me? Why am I linked into that all of a sudden? I'm hardwired to say cool-ass. Uh, which is strange. I should say cool places like from Sparks or I should say cool world with Kim Basinger. Instead, I go cool ass. I can go cool whip. Whip. Why are you pronouncing the H? Cool whip. Uh, um, anyway, David Mix Hernandez is the best. He does all of our music, all of our artwork. He's the greatest in the world. He reaches out all the time and does all the things I need him to do. He made a cool, I almost said it. He made a great Patreon uh, video that's on the Joker's page. It, it's a, it's me morphing into a Joker. It's fucking amazing. And he cut a little snippet of the Go guess who song that I talked about last week, uh, because he's a fucking genius folks. So you can be his friend 
at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. I fought that yawn off facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. That's where you can be his friend and tell him he's great and see all of his Mex memes and stick around as he's a fucking curmudgeon to everybody on the internet. However, if you see the artwork he does for the show and you think to yourself, man, I'd love to get some artwork from this guy. Well, then I, you're in luck. You want to go to artbydmh.com, that's A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com, and uh, have him do all sorts of cool-ass stuff for you. Uh, fucking cool-ass, what the fuck? Um, he can do great things for you. You can go ahead and find out what he does while you go to his website. He's got Valscapes, he's got Gaicons, he's got existing pieces that are for sale, but if you want him to work something up for you in particular, if you want him to find out what he can do for you and, and personalize the damn thing, well, then reach out to him at artbydmh.com and say to him, hey, I need a picture of me carrying a football, but it's really a turkey, and I'm running to Thanksgiving dinner to slap it on the table, and we're going to kill some fucking engines. And he'll go, ah, you're a racist. I can't help you. And then you just go, oh, I'm sorry. I meant a nice Thanksgiving portrait of my family. And he'll go, I'm on it. You got the dough. He's got the time, and he'll make it work. It's watercolors. It's oils. It's sculpture. It's uh, timpani drums. Whatever the fuck you need from this man, he can go ahead and provide it. But first... You have to find him. You have to reach out to him at artbydmh.com. That's A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H dot com. My mind is clearer now. At last, all too well, I can see where we all soon. Cause I'm always 
frightened by a crowd And they'll crush us if we go too far Folks, we have sponsor, not multiple, just the one. We've got one sponsor of this show. It's the Paranoid Strain podcast, Fearful Jesuit and his clan of uh, ne'er-do-wells. Well, no, they're do-wells. They're, they're all do-wells. I guess I would put it that way. They are putting out shows with more frequency now because the new show just came out. It's the second part of the 9-11 show. I have not had a chance to listen to that yet uh, because I've listened to the QAnon show uh, twice, actually, because I enjoyed it. Also because I had another bone to pick with our friend Fearful Jesuit. Uh, well, I guess, I mean, it's not really a bone to pick with him, but he he was talking about how, uh, well, first of all, you'll learn that if you listen to the QAnon show, I can't speak to the 9-11 in the second one yet because I did not get a chance to listen. However, I will tell you the QAnon show, if you, if you want pizza ruined for you forever, go ahead and listen to that show. That's all I'm going to say. I mentioned last week a lot of things that, uh, that were involved where they were talking about QAnon people and their nonsense. And then that my favorite part is when they're like, uh, you know, these people are trying to figure out who QAnon is. We're way past that now. We've got all these nuggets of information. We've already figured it out, but they won't tell you who it is. Uh, and, and then he talked about, they, do they think Tom Hanks, it'll ruin Tom Hanks for you and Spielberg. They think there's a fucking sex camp in Arizona. I mean, it is just, there's a, there's a group called Veterans on Patrol who found like a rag hanging from a tree and a baby doll in the desert. And they think that pedophiles are out there banging kids. It's just, dude, QAnon's a threat. I mean, they're just ruining everything. Everything's going to hell. And, and the fact that they would think that Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg are pedophiles or bad guys and, and really go to those dudes. I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys. If you told me James Franco was a pedophile, I'd be like, well, all right, I could maybe hear your argument, Q. Um... But you start bringing Tom Hanks into it. That guy's the fucking king. I mean, he, he does no wrong ever to anyone. Furious. Uh, but please listen to all of these shows. You know, if you can go ahead and listen, if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe to Fearful Jesuits, The Paranoid Strain in the iTunes store. Write a review in the iTunes store telling them that we sent you so they know that we are encouraging people to go ahead and jump on board. Because then, as I've mentioned, I am fascinated by people who do things that I can't do. And for him to sit down and put together this fucking audio mosaic and to, and to edit it and to, and to be so calm and, and re- reserved as he deals with these fucking idiots. Like, I can't even imagine. It angers me to hear it. 
you know, and he deals with it so well. And he, he believe me, he betrays a, a bit of his anger, but not, but never in the delivery. I mean, it's just fascinating to listen to. I could not report on that stuff without getting furious and worked up. And he's just completely calm. You know, he's like Lecter, you know, your his blood pressure. He never went over 75. Even when he ate her tongue, that's who fucking fearful Jesuit is, man. He'll eat the tongue of QAnon and won't even fucking panic. And then the nine 11 show just came out again. The first nine 11 show was a masterpiece. The second one, I'm excited to listen to it. I was able to download it, finally have it there. And, uh, and I'll get a chance to listen to it over this weekend but uh please you listen to all of them go to get to download the paranoid strain subscribe to it on itunes write him a note tell him that we love uh, we love him you love him and uh just so he knows that it's doing good and we're reaching people and uh and i can't stress it enough as i've mentioned before earlier there's all sorts of podcasts with people just shouting and yelling and they're giggling and laughing at things that they shouldn't laugh at inappropriate stuff whatever the fuck anything that anything that they think they can cajole you into liking uh, you don't have to be cajoled to listen to Fearful Jesuit and like that show. You don't have to be cajoled to listen to the Paranoid Strain and enjoy the content because it's really just fucking straight up hammering good stuff and you'll love it. So go ahead and check it out. Write him a note. Tell him we sent you and uh, and and write it in iTunes store as well. And write me a note telling him that you, or me that you sent. He sent me you to me. Whatever. Uh, go listen to it. The Paranoid Strain in the iTunes store. Download it today. Subscribe and uh, and love it because you will. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, I mentioned our friend Gio has the love between the two hosts YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, the 40 year old boy YouTube channel. And if you subscribe, get this, you'll be motivated or sorry, notified. Jesus Christ. Motivated, motivated to take the place of notified in my head. Um, I'm scrambled. I already did a fucking hour and 40 minute live stream today, folks. You can't, you can't expect me to wring everything else out of my goddamn body. Um, I just thought of it. I goes, that's, that's over three hours and 20 minutes of talking today, but I've done that before. I've done, I've done a four hour podcast. This is, this whole thing's a bust. All right. So <laughs> please check out our YouTube channel. You will get notified whenever I have a live stream scheduled. So you won't have to be guessing. It'll just tell you it'll, it'll ping you or it'll tell you, Hey man, Mike Schmidt's got a stream coming up. Is I fucking God damn it. Yawn. That's professional. I keep telling you about professional. I'm sure you can hear my slippers on the fucking plastic mat under the desk. What uh, this broadcast is for amateurs. What an amateur hour dick. Um, but I will tell you this. I will be broadcasting again next week. There will be a live stream again next week. You ask when, folks? Well, I tell you this. Wednesday night. Let's make it a constant. Next Wednesday night at 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. 8 o'clock p.m. Chicago time, 9 o'clock p.m. New York time, 7 o'clock p.m. Denver time, which is mountain time. And someone in the live stream today goes, hey, man, you never mentioned Atlantic time. I don't fucking know what Atlantic time is. I don't know where that is. I don't know what it's about. Uh, but, but if you're on Atlantic time, look it up. Just figure out what 6 o'clock Pacific time is and then carry the fucking one. And you'll meet me next uh, Wednesday. That's the, what's the date on that? Let me, I better make sure I'm in town for that thing. That's uh, the 10th. Yeah, I'm in town. So that's Wednesday the 10th. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I have to take somebody to the airport that night. Hold on. Wait one second. Jesus. What a goon. Let me pull up the calendar here. Uh, let me go to October. I'm doing this on the air. Again, live broadcast, folks. Uh, okay, no, that's in the daytime. All right, I have, I have to take somebody to the airport in the daytime. However, at 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, I'll be live streaming from the desk, from the green room. Uh, or what did we call it earlier today? We came up with a new mess, a new name for this. I don't know. Go watch the live stream and remind me. I forget what it was, but there'll be a live stream next Wednesday night at six o'clock PM Pacific time. That's 10, 10, 18, October 10th. Uh, 
uh, I'll be here lurking and talking and, and interacting with the people on the stream and having a good time. It'll be fantastic. And I promise it'll be at six o'clock next week. I won't postpone it. Even if I don't hear from you that you want to do it, I'll do it anyway. Even if I wind up talking to an empty room, uh, that's just me. That's what I'll wind up doing. I'll talk to an empty room, but I get a feeling it won't be an empty room. Even if there's one of you there, I used to, you know, I used to say that all the time. Hey, if you, if you, I'll play a phone booth if you promise to call. And then it turned out I don't like playing to one guy. Maybe not, but uh, that's a lie. I will play to anybody. So please tune in for the live stream on the YouTube channel, the 40 year old boy YouTube channel. If you have not subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, as numbers go up, they take notice of up and the advertisers go ahead and jump in. So that really helps out the show. So uh, go ahead and subscribe and you'll get notified whenever we, uh, we are doing a live stream. And those, those are going to be coming out uh, a little more frequently, I, I say. I threaten. I threaten you with that. That's coming. Uh, so also, folks, if you want to be a Patreon subscriber, why wouldn't you want to be? Patreon's the way to go, man. That's another way to support this show. You can jump on at patreon.com slash the Mike40YOB, not the Mike40YOB, or just put in Mike Schmidt Patreon. It'll come up. And you can donate to the channel or donate to the page. And, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things coming up. We'll be doing uh, personalized podcasts. Look, and right now, look, I haven't done a whole lot. Of, on the Patreon page right now, you can, you can hear, you can see the Toronto live stream if you didn't get to see it, which was me on stage live. That's available now. Uh, there's the beige album is on there from our friend Max, which by the way, if you don't want to be a Patreon and you want to get the beige album, please just donate $7 to the show and it comes free. You donate $7 to the show. I know that sounds like a weird bait and switch, but seriously, if you donate seven bucks to the show, you will get the beige album sent to you and you will totally enjoy our friend David Max Hernandez's tribute to the Beatles. It's fucking fantastic. Um, but if you become a Patreon patron at certain levels, you'll get the beige album. You can watch the Toronto live stream. All this stuff is over there for you now at patreon.com. Uh, slash Mike four zero Y O B. And let's go ahead and thank two new patrons who've come aboard. Joel Fowler. I don't remember if I mentioned Joel last week, the dates look like I didn't like it might've been misaligned, but I'm, I'm checking now to see if I, whatever, who cares? Joel is a, is a fucking guy who's the coolest. He's donated to the show forever. I've actually gone out and had dinner with Joel. I met him in DC. He brought me to a, a fucking wizards game. He's one of the best guys and a cool person. And I thank him so much for becoming a Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Joel Fowler. You're the best. And our, our good friend, Jason Baldwin, who I actually last saw in Cincinnati. It was good to see Jason. And he's making me hungry because on his Facebook, he like cooks and he posts all of his, uh, his cooking exploits. And I'm like, God damn it, Jason, you're why are you making me jealous? Uh, but now he's a Patreon patron. So perhaps he'll cook me some food next time I come into his uh, hometown of, I think he's in Missouri, wasn't he? I don't know where the fuck Jason is. Who cares? The point is, he's a Patreon patron. Patron. Joel Fowler, Patreon patron. You too can be a Patreon patron at uh, patron at patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for coming on board and supporting the show. It makes, uh, it makes it a lot easier. It makes me very happy. And I'm glad you did that. Thank you so much. Who wants to be an Uber driver? You, you, of course you do. Who wants to be a Lyft driver? You, you, of course you do. If you want to be a Lyft driver, use my code. This is all caps, Mike720057. That's M-I-K-E 720057. If you want to be an Uber driver, use my code. And this is all lowercase D-J-Z-W-1-Y-T-T-U-E. That's D-J-Z-W-1-Y-T-T-U-E. Become an Uber driver. Go ahead and make some drives. I get some money. It's great. I'm your Uber pimp. You go out and you get uh, dough yourself. And uh, and also, by the way, if you're a first-time rider, you can use that code as well to get me a couple of bucks. When you order your first ride on Uber, when you download Lyft, whatever, when you order your first rides, use that code. That's Mike. 720057 for Lyft, DJZW1YTTUE for Uber. And, uh, and I get a taste of that too when you're out driving around on your first ride ever with those uh, companies. It's perfect. Thank you for thinking of us. It helps the show tremendously. You guys are the best. 
Uh, and also, if you go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com, have I mentioned this yet? Of course I have not. Go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the Joe Business page. We've got things there that are available for sale. Uh, but also, we've got the Amazon link. The Amazon link is a big deal. If you click on the Amazon link, go through and do all your shopping. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. It works out perfectly. It's a it's a symbiotic relationship. We all grab each other's wrists and form a triangle. It's so fantastic. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. If you use our Amazon link, just go to the Joe Business page at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Click through the Amazon link. It doesn't cost you an extra dime, man. It doesn't cost you an extra cent. It costs you maybe five seconds to find my website and hit the link. That's it. And then you're in Amazon land, you're browsing, you're moving, and I get to taste everything you buy. It works out perfectly and totally helps out the show. Thank you so much for thinking of us and going ahead and buying all your Amazon stuff from Amazon through us. I guess I guess you'd buy your Amazon stuff from Amazon, but the, the, the through us is the key part. That's the best part, of course. Uh, so please do that. Use the Amazon link. We'd be very happy, and uh, we'll thank you profusely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I almost, you know, I'm going to tell you this because I always forget. I'm on Cameo, man. It's an app that you can put on your phone and uh, you can hire me to shout at your neighbors or your friends or whoever the fuck you've got on board. Anybody you want to send a happy birthday greeting to anybody like, let's put it this way. If your favorite college football team destroyed your friend's favorite college football team, you can book me to call him up and just go hey, or send him a video and just go, Hey idiot, nice Hoosiers or whatever the fuck, whoever he's a fan of. I'll rub it in. I'll be a trash talker for you. You can trash talk all you want, but then you hire me professional backup trash talker. I'll be your wingman. I'll be a trash talking wingman. I'll come in and smoke somebody. Or if you want me to tell again, I can also tell your child happy birthday. And I can't think of anybody more qualified to talk to a toddler than me. Why wouldn't you book me to talk to your toddler? God damn it. Book me to talk to your toddler. Uh, so you go to cameo, you download the app. It's, uh, I think it's bookcameo.com, but you go on your phone. That's the important thing. Fuck the web. Nobody wants to use the web. You go on your phone, you download the Cameo app, you look for me, and you hire me, and I go and shout at somebody, or I, I wish them a good thing, or I propose to your girlfriend. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it, folks, for a very small fee. You know, there's people on there charging $250, $300 a crack. I think I'm charging 20 bucks. That's a goddamn deal to get me to shout at somebody or, or tell your girlfriend you're sorry. I can do any of those things. So use me on the Cameo app. Bring me, spring me into action, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you what, if you want to book me for the Cameo app to do a UFC play-by-play for you this weekend, I can do that possibly. What if we did that? What if we did a live UFC play-by-play on Cameo? Well, not on Cameo. What if we did it on live stream? I don't know, whatever the fuck we had to do. But the point is, the UFC is this weekend and I'm excited. Uh, I haven't been this excited for a card in a while because it's a good card, but mainly... Uh, Conor McGregor is back, folks. Conor McGregor is back, and he's ready to fucking smash Habib Nurmagomedov. Now, I know what you're thinking. Habib Nurmagomedov is a fucking wrestling machine. How can Conor McGregor handle him in the octagon? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, folks. I'm, I'm excited about the fight. I want Conor to win. I think there'll be nothing better than he fucking knocks this guy's fucking jaw out. But I just, I can't see him handling the Russian. This, this is one of those stoic Chechnyans, one of those dudes who's like, a loyal, like religious Muslim and loyal to his government. And he thinks that, uh, he, he's, you know, he trained fucking athletes over there. They make guys wear masks filled with poison and try to run a mountain range. And if they survive, they put them in the Olympics. I mean, that's how it fucking works in that fucking country. This dude fought a bear. That's not even like an exaggeration. Habib Nurmagomedov, Nurmagomedov, I hope I'm saying it right. He fought a fucking bear. Like this bear stomped up to him and he fucking took him out. He wrestled him because then this is when he was a kid. He was just trying to toughen him up. Man, Russia's a bad place. You don't want to go there. No wonder they're all on the internet trying to fuck with our government. Because otherwise, you're in a gulag fighting a goddamn ocelot. Nobody wants that to happen. I don't want to go fighting anybody from there. Nobody wants to fight a fucking wombat. That's all my good animals.
Fuck you, Schmitty. You don't come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick. Heck, 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 heck.